This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. I've got a big list of films mm. so anything that looks like it's going to be a shit shark movie or piranha movie I'll try and watch it in the week leading up to recording with you just so that I can say yep I watched Mega Octo Shark 3 and you'll be like oh for fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> yeah just just save those ones before you know we record the show Dan that's fine not a problem mate oh, <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to the year in 1989 to look at Tim Burton's gothic action adventure movie. This one's got it all and that's uh, Batman. And joining me for the show today is Dan Bone from the podcast on Haunted Hill. Dan, how are you doing buddy? I'm doing okay. <laughs> Yes. I want you to tell everybody about me. I'm Batman. That's it, yeah. I'm doing really, really well, thanks. Really well. Good. It's good to have you back on the show, Dan. And uh, what a classic we're going to be talking about today, mate. The old uh, summer of 1989, I think this one came out. Was it a little bit later than that? It was it was the summer of eighty nine and boy have I got a story to tell you about that when we get into it. Okay. Before we get into Batman though, Dan. Because um, as I t- spoke to you, you know, I'm off social media now, so I don't know what you've been doing. So it's a surprise <laughs> for me. It's almost like we've gone back to the 80s where I've sort of knocked on your door with my BMX and gone, Dan, do you want to come out? Yeah. And I've Let's gone, the ball about. what have you been up to? Because I haven't seen you for a week or so. So tell me about what you've been doing and <laughs> what movies have you been watching, dare I say? Well, as usual, I've been watching a lot of films. Mm. Um, there's two specifically that I wanted to mention, which mm-hmm. I think are worth mentioning. Um, also, I've started working my way through Twin Peaks again, because oh, yeah. still never seen the third season, which was released a couple of years ago. So yeah. uh, I'm working my way through season one and two, then the movie, Firewalk With Me, yeah. and then I'll be starting that season three, which I've heard is really good. So. That's been taking up a lot of my time, but um, film-wise, I watched a film mm. called Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, right, okay. Right, I've got, got something to, I can tell you about Sonic in a minute, but tell me about this film. Was it, um, was it good? I, I, I was blown away mm. by how good this film was. It's a real, and maybe it's just the way that the year is going with mm. all the news and the pandemic and everything, but there's something about this film that really caught me at a really good point, and it was a great feel-good film. You've got Jim Carrey as yeah. Dr. Robotnik, and he was hilarious in it. Um, Sonic was great. The effects were great. It was funny. Um, and by the end of it, I was just like a kid smiling. It took me back to those sort of early 90s when Sonic yeah. was everywhere, you know, yeah. and 
And for any Sonic the Hedgehog fan, there's loads of Easter eggs all the way through it, loads of little nods to Sega and, and everything. But for anyone out kids discovering, I think kids will just love it. And I can't recommend it enough, really. And I posted it on Facebook and social media saying, this might be controversial, guys, but this film is awesome. And I tell you what, 99% people agreed. They all said they were taken aback by how good it was as well. So was it, was it the fact that this film came out, I think I saw on the side of a bus being advertised, but it came out about February time, early this year. And yeah, that would make sense. I think it might have just... Um, uh, it got caught up with the, dare I say it, the 2020 COVID-19, I think, because yeah, you're right. March came in, didn't it? And then all of a sudden everything just sort of went to batshit. No pun there at all. <laughs> But <laughs> I, thought I had to chat that one in somehow. But um, no, putting all that aside, I don't want to bring that into the show. But um, I love it when when somebody comes out and says, you know, I watched this film, went in with no expectations and come out with a big smile on my face, which it sounds like it's done for you. And I love it when a film does that. So I know, I know what that feeling's like. You know, you just come out and think, that film was better than it, than it really should have been. <laughs> oh, I loved they? it. You know, mm. Jim Carrey hasn't been funny. Let's be honest. For the last sort of twenty years, yeah. um, maybe ten, and he was brilliant in this. And he was having a laugh. There was a lot of good actors in it. James Marsden was in it. Cyclops from the X Men movies, and just all round, just a lot of fun. It, it wasn't too um, childish either. Yeah. It was just just hit the sweet spot in the middle. Right. Okay. Loved uh, it. Yes. Um, well, the funny thing is, I've got a Sega plug-in for you because um, about two weeks ago uh, Becky, my missus, she she took me to this uh, retro games night um, sort oh, of local yeah. in our town So we was, I was, and I was playing the Sega Master System, that's the one I went to because oh, um, I thought yeah. oh yeah, I haven't played one of those for a long time and um, I was playing Golden Axe for the whole night <laughs> I was like, oh Dude. yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> So now you're talking my language. Yeah. So Becky, she said to me, she said, oh, how about I buy you one of those, you know, for like your birthday? I said, yeah, I'd love to. So she's got me a Sega Mini. But Ooh. on top of that, she goes, right, she said to me, I've been on at you for doing the loft up for a long time. And then she said, how about you turn it into a games room? She, as soon as she said, yeah, a games room, I went, Oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I've been up there for eight days, Dan, doing this <laughs> loft. Yeah, <laughs> right. Eight straight days of had some time off from work, mate. I have not stopped, and now I've got that Sega Mini in my loft, mate, as a games room. I'll send you some pictures, but yeah. Oh, so. dude, that is the dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and then Becky said she goes, let me get this right. She goes, I've been on at you now to do this loft for years. And she goes, <laughs> and it's taken a retro games night for you to get it done. I went, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I roll, really. <laughs> so well, there you go. she knows, if she needs anything around the house done, yeah. she needs to dangle the carrot. Yeah. That carrot might be a Nintendo, a, mm -hmm. a Sega, it could be anything. Yeah. Um, but You'll work, you'll work for the right reward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just chuck Sonic the Hedgehog in there or Golden Axe and I'm, yeah, I'm sold, yeah. Need me to build this? Yeah, that's fine. So there you go, mate. Yeah, so it's funny, really. You've watched Sonic. I've 
got involved with Sega, so you know, got a computer game thing going well, on. Isn't it? So. While you're feeling nostalgic, I mean, mm. I won't harp on about it, but while you're feeling nostalgic, I would recommend checking out Sonic. Honestly, it's really good. It came out yeah. as you said earlier this year, and it's a really fun film. Watch it with your kids, or watch it on your own, like I did. You know, if you, we remember Sonic coming out in the late eighties, early nineties, oh, it was, it was everywhere. Oh, it was massive, yeah. And, massive, yeah. and I, I know you're a fan of the uh, 16-bit games, aren't you? I think I've heard you mention that yeah, before. Yeah, totally. 8-bit, 16-bit, anything like that. It's, like I say, going back to playing those games, they're just so much fun. They're so playable as well, do you know what I mean? And I love all the old graphics, you know, just something about it. Just. I love the music. The music takes me off to a faraway place. Yeah. Um, as soon as I hear those bleeps and blops, I think... I'm transported back to my bedroom as a, as a 10 year old, you know, cramp in my hands. Ow, my hands are hurting because I'm trying to do that combination on Street Fighter 2 over and over and yeah, over that's again. It. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what I was doing. <laughs> I was like, because time flies by, doesn't it, when you're playing games, and all of a sudden I was just sort of like shaking my hand, going, Jesus, it's gone all stiff, do you know what I mean? And it's me like yep. trying to sort of take on these, you know, trolls or whatever it is you've got in these games or whatever, but yeah. Oh man! So, um, uh, have you been watching any shark movies, Dan? I need to say it because you know we bring one up every episode almost. Couldn't let you down, could I? Go on. What is it? Couldn't let you down. Mm. So, this is one of the best ones I've watched recently. <laughs> Go on. Best ones. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So it's got two names. It's sometimes called Jurassic Piranha. Jeez. Oh, and other times called Piranha Sharks. <laughs> so let me give you the premise go on so you know you know you get like the little seed monkeys that people had as pets little things that you could grow that kind of thing and, and they weren't real but everyone had them yeah. well basically scientists engineer tiny tiny little great white sharks about the size of even smaller than a goldfish mm-hmm. they look like little teeny tiny piranhas but they're actually sharks and they think oh this would be a great bio weapon that we can use anyway no one really wants to buy it as a bioweapon. So they realize what they can do is sell it at Christmas. So this is a Christmas movie. They sell it wow. at Christmas to kids to have as a pet. But what they don't realize is, is that they multiply exponentially. Oh, bigger and bigger, like more and more and more. So you have like six of them in your tank. And then suddenly you've got like 32 of them. And then they can like, so of course people stop flushing down the toilet. Oh, right. And then you've got the millions of these little micro sharks mm-hmm. killing people. Cut two, the majority of our cast are strippers in a strip club. <laughs> Jeez. <sighs> and they have to help fight the sharks along with some um, scientists. So basically it's a Christmas movie set in a strip club with tiny little piranha sharks. And that's that's it, right? So that's it. Someone's gone into a room and said, "Can I green light this move?" And they've gone, "Yeah." You know, you just think, "How the hell does that happen?" <laughs> we want we want to make a film for Dan Bone. Yeah, sure, no worries. Just put that green light on. There's a load of money. Go make it. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I, I paid I paid ninety nine pence to rent this on Amazon Prime. So if anybody wants the experience, it's only going to cost you less than a pound, oh, an English dear. pound, <laughs> <laughs> for the price of an ice cream or whatever that is now, ninety nine flake or whatever. 
You could be watching a shark movie with strippers and multiplying sharks. <laughs> and it's set at Christmas. And at Christmas, yeah, it's chucking Christmas there, you know, because everybody loves a Christmas movie, you know. <laughs> I think you're right, actually. They've gone and they've gone, what does Dan like? Christmas, yeah. yeah. Sharks and piranhas, yeah. Strippers, yeah, chuck them in there as well. Great, there you go. That's this movie. Next. <laughs> Well, it's funny, really, because obviously something came up, because obviously I've put in... So when you put in stuff on Google, so I've put in shark movies, so it flags up as a suggestion. And I had one flag up today, just before we'd done the show, funny enough, and it was was at Sharknado of a third kind, you know? (laughs) It's like... I don't know if they made it or whether it's in the works, and basically... Eventually, these sharks have gone to space, and you know. And yeah. Oh, if they're going to space, we know what that means, don't we? Oh, there you go. It's yeah. the end of the series if they're going to space. Yeah, well, this is it. Yeah, like it, like we've said before, happens to every character, doesn't it? In a, in a franchise. <laughs> oh man! And once they hit the space, we know that it's done and dusted. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Let's get away from these sharks, then, Dan. Shall we have a look at this movie then, mate? Let's have a look at Batman. Shall we go back to Gotham City? Oh, yeah. Let's get, let's into, let's get into the Batmobile. Let's go to Gotham City. Uh, let's play a trailer, and we'll see you guys soon. Bruce Wayne. And what do you do for a living? Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Nice outfit. You look fine. I didn't ask. I have given a name to my pain. What are you? I'm Batman. Where did he get those wonderful toys? My life is really complex. Winged freak terrorizes. Wait till they get a load of me. And welcome back, guys. So the synopsis of this film is The Dark Knight of Gotham City begins his war on crime with his first major enemy being Jack Napier, a criminal who becomes the clownishly homicidal Joker. It's a film directed by Tim Burton. It's um, it's a PG-13. It's uh, about a two-hour runtime, And it's based on the DC comics. So, Dan... Uh, what do you want what to say about say? this movie? You can say, yeah. Um, big well, film, uh, isn't it? 
very, very special place in my heart. I saw mm. this one three times in the cinema in the summer of 89. Oh, wow. Um, I remember it very well because I was 11. Mm-hmm. And this was the first 12A certificate in the UK. Yep. So I remember thinking, gosh, should I be in here? You know, <laughs> But, um, it was fine. <laughs> well, you, you was a better man than I was, Dan, because I couldn't get in the cinema, unfortunately, for this one. I seem to oh, really? Rem- nah, I seem to remember it, because it was a 12. I just couldn't get through, because I was around about 10 or 11. And I remember that being the talk in the playground at school. Um, because, you know, obviously when a film comes out, especially a film like this, is you know, it's a big deal, isn't it? And oh, yeah. I think... well. All the all the um, all the memorabilia, wasn't it? And like stickers, bubblegum well, stickers, merchandise, wasn't it? It, it? I think it came out before the film, and the t-shirts. And I just seem to remember it's just being a massive event. Like, wow, you know, just Batman was yeah. just like everywhere. Um, so I kind of I kind of watched the film through my bubblegum cards, and you know when you're that age, you're not too worried about spoilers. You just sort of I started collecting the cards, and I was looking at all the scenes, and yeah. I was kind of like thinking, well, I'm actually watching this film like this now, you know, and I was just going, wow. Um, well, I mean, yeah. it was pre-internet, so you had you had so much merchandise, like you said, and we talked about this when we mentioned when we talked about Willow, but. Hmm. The same, you're right, a lot of this stuff came out even before the movie. It was such a big deal. And this was back when America would get a release much earlier than the UK. Yeah. So you had all these trailers. You had the the Prince Batman soundtrack, mm-hmm. trading cards, stickers. I had a baseball cap before I'd even seen the film yeah. with the logo on it. Um, there was toys. There was breakfast cereal. Um, you know, you name it. It was, it was everywhere. So this was one of those... For me, this is up there with Ghostbusters yeah. with regards to the amount of merchandising associated. Obviously, Star Wars is the king of all of that, you know, the original Star Wars movies. But this Batman was just, at, you could not escape it. It was literally everywhere. Yeah, it was it was huge. Like I say, it was a big deal. Um, and I suppose I was, I was too young to know... I, because the guy who plays Batman, which is obviously um, Michael Keaton, I was unaware of his background. So from the age that I was, Michael Keaton was just Batman. Um, oh, nice. Do you know what I mean? It was just Obviously, I knew there was Adam West. You know, the real sort of <sighs> cheesy comedy. Yeah, the cheesy campy. Of, yeah, you know, it was, it was very sort of comic book. It worked for the time. And... I guess he was my Batman I guess Adam West because you know I used to watch it when I was even younger you know the old TV shows but I think this one really oh, yeah. took it to another level where it's just like it, it was darker but then when I was watching it funny enough I was watching it last night and I just thought man this film really holds up um, because it's it, it just does everything you want it to do not only for like a comic book movie, but just for a film itself. You know, you've got a good, you got you got the bad guy, you've got a good guy, you've got some little subplots in there, you've got some really good set designs, you've got a really good soundtrack. Um, the Dan- Danny Elfman score is just incredible. Phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal score. Um, and I say this to 
usually if I bring up Batman in a conversation, because, you know, you, during a conversation you might say, oh, what's the best Batman? Because a few have been made since this one. And I usually yeah. say, well, if you've never seen a Batman film, putting all those other ones aside, I would say go to this 89 one, because it's just, it just does, does everything you want it to do. Um, standalone, I would say, as a movie. I agree. I agree. Mm. It's remarkable, um, in fact, how much they cram into a movie which is just over two hours long. Mm. You know, there's some great action. They were pushing the boundaries with, you know, the Batmobile, the Batwing. Um, The Batsuit was unlike anything we'd ever seen before. He was kind of like a ninja, you know. Um, It was like this rubberized leather suit. And he just looked like he was built for war in this movie, Mm. you know. And obviously... Christian Bale's got an even better bat suit, but for me, this is this was just caught me at the right time. And um, you know, the, the way it looked, you couldn't have picked a better director in Tim Burton. Gotham, Axis Chemical Plant, all of that just looks incredible. Yeah, the scripting is so tight. And mm-hmm. s- today, even when I watched this yesterday and reviewed it and wrote my notes i was laughing my ass off at pretty much everything jack nicholson says <laughs> yes it's still so funny but at the same time mm-hmm. there's still some funny jokes and some clever stuff with bruce wayne and alfred and there's a really lovely touching relationship between alfred and bruce mm. vicky vale you know you've got your kim bassinger in this jack palance the cast is just phenomenal as well and it just feels like it's a perfect movie for me yeah uh, they they can slow it down to a scene where you've just got Alfred telling Bruce and Vicky Vale a story from his childhood mm. for five minutes. Next thing you know, you've got a chemical plant exploding and people doing this and that, and, and then it slows down again. And this movie just plays with it. It's probably one of the best things Tim Burton's done. Yeah, and like I say, I think it's certainly got, um, like I say, Tim Burton's signature to it. And I think... Um, he probably got on board with this movie due to success. I know you mentioned this the other day when you private messaged me, Dan, was uh, Beetlejuice, uh, which was made, yeah. in, or it was released in 1988. And of course, um, Michael Keaton's in that film as well. So I imagine for Tim Burton, it was also for Michael Keaton as well, you know, to, to get this role. Because you, when you think about it at the time, I, um, now I look at this, Michael Keaton's a stand-up com- com- comedian. And yeah. he's not your typical action hero. But he's it, the funny thing is, he, he's exactly what you need for this film. Do you know what I mean? It's slightly like, <laughs> psychotic, slightly yeah. unhinged. Mm. And he's it, kind of like, uh, it's a bit like the sort of Clark Kent thing, you know, when he's Bruce Wayne... He's very, he's got a bit, he's got some comedy about him. He's got a little, maybe a little bit of, um, like you say, a little bit unhinged. And yeah. even Becky, you know, my missus, she she picked up on that last night when she watched it with me. I managed to get her to watch Batman, and she's not really a fan of the franchise as such. And she actually said, like, she said he's just as crazy as the Joker. And I said, oh, that's oh inter- yeah. I said to her, I said, oh, it's interesting you say that because you've picked up on that, not being too familiar with the franchise, but you've just said that he's just as mad, you know. Just, that's what she was picking well, up on, which was interesting. 
there's the moment in the middle of the movie where Alexander Knox, the reporter, finds out oh, about yeah. Bruce Wayne's parents, and mm. he tells Vicky Vale, and, and he says they realise, you know, this is a kid that saw his parents gunned down in front of him, yeah. had a gun pointed at him, and and that's it. And Alexander Knox says to Vicky Vale, "You've got to wonder what something like this is going to do to a kid, and this is what it's going to do to a kid. Yeah, it's it's going to yeah. turn him into this psycho ninja, <laughs> basically." <laughs> It's going to make him go and wear some rubber and dance around in the shadows <laughs> <laughs> and put on a voice. <laughs> it's, a, it's a phenomenal film. And like I said, I saw it three times. Yeah. Um, we persuaded my friend, my best friend when I was 10, we persuaded his mum to, because you had to, back then, we, like you said, we couldn't have got in. Mm. They wouldn't have believed you were old enough, even though we we're only a year younger. So his mum would sort of, pay for the tickets and say oh they're both 12 even though we were both 11 and the first time we went we actually got there late and we walked in about five minutes into the film so we'd missed the first sort of five minutes and i was oh, really no. good um in fact i walked in on the bit where he says i'm Batman." as i yeah. walked in he said that and i thought well, hang on a minute i've missed some of this by the looks of it so we told her this and she said oh i'll take you back next weekend and i'll drop you off earlier this time mm. And we loved it so much the second time that we made her take us the third week in a row. <laughs> so we got to see it three times. Now, this cinema that you went to, Dan, so I just, uh, I don't think I've ever asked you this question before because I remember my cinema because I, I lived, uh, it was a Canon cinema that was opposite from where I lived. So uh, my bedroom window overlooked this Canon cinema. So I used to get to see what was coming out. It was probably my passion for films that was sort of nice. being built from. Um, was it the same for you? Was there a regular sort of cinema that you go to where you lived that you can remember? Well, there's there's two or three... Well, actually, there's probably about six or seven cinemas in Bristol now. Mm. But back then, I, obviously, I was only a child, didn't drive, so it was limited. I just was wherever the adults would take me. So it would either be an Odeon mm. um, or an ABC. Uh, there was a Canon in Bristol, but the one that I saw Batman in was actually a cinema called... It was an independent cinema called The Orpheus, Wow. It's a very small. That's a hell of cinema. a name for a cinema, isn't it? Jeez. It's still going now. It's Is still it? going now. It's an independent cinema. It's only got about two or three screens. Very Orpheus. small. Orpheus. Wow. It's um, a powerful name, know. isn't it? The Orpheus. <laughs> isn't or- isn't Orpheus the name of the dude out of The Matrix? Or? That's Morpheus, but it's, Morpheus. it's like him. Orpheus. Yeah. I'm sure, Orpheus is the name of the dude out of The Forbidden Planet as well. It's definitely it's got something to be a like that, or a Greek character or something, hasn't it? Let's go to Probably the Orpheus, man. You're just expecting <laughs> something like uh, like demons to happen, you know? Do you know what I mean? That sort of the Orpheus cinema, you know, anything can happen. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, trust you guys, cinema like that. Hey, goddammit, that girl's a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah. <that's it. laughs> um, oh. The other thing about this movie is uh, this was the first time i got to spend my pocket money on a on on a cassette and i bought the print soundtrack on cassette and i was really chuffed because i'd you know I'd, i had cassettes i'd been bought for christmas and my birthday but this was my first soundtrack that i'd ever bought and i thought this is brilliant and i listened to that soundtrack over and over and over again yeah i thought you was gonna say something else for your pocket money sorry mate <laughs> i thought you was gonna say it's the first time you bought yourself a wrestler hot dog at the cinema that's right 
so kind. <laughs> I was very lucky. Um, the guy that I was friends with when I was 10, his parents were very generous and they treat... I'd stay over there every weekend. This is the kid I watched Robocop, Freddy Krueger, all these things with. Mm. His parents had Sky, way, Sky TV way before anyone else. And they were very generous with their money. And I got... I just got treated like royalty when I was there. So that she'd, nice. she'd give us a tenner. So, yeah. Wow. You know, 10 pounds back then. Big time. Tons of money. Mm. But sorry, mate, going back to this uh, Prince soundtrack, because that's worthy of bringing up actually, because he does a really good job. Um, I mean, I, I, I like Prince. I'm a fan of his music. Um, I don't listen to it all the time, but when I do listen to it, it's like one of those, he's one of those artists where I go, oh yes, you know, that sounds pretty good today, you know, in the car. Um, but yeah, it, it just seems to go really well with this film for me. Um, it does. The bat uh, dance, it really the well. bat, bat dance, isn't it? That he does, and yeah. um, even the music videos that he he's done for this, you know, where he's dressed up like the Joker and he's dancing around and very well choreographed. And, uh, the album and the song sound quite sort of industrial and almost a bit futuristic and that that matches gotham yeah so when you hear them playing in the street when a car drives by or some hoodlums or listen to a radio it fits in nicely with gotham because it sounds a little bit otherworldly just like gotham because with gotham you don't know if it's in the 40s if it's uh, now i'm glad you said that you know it's it's very it's a very odd place gotham isn't it it's um yeah it's very gothic noir isn't it sort of yeah oh um, yeah steampunk and again, but they never actually, they they don't actually tell you what time period it's in, do they? There's no mention of it, no, I think. There's no, and it doesn't really matter because they've got no. TVs and cameras and stuff. But, um, you know, it, it's just, it's set and it's, I like to think it's set in its own little universe, really. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a combination of like the 1930s, 40s, like the sort of um, Al Capone. Chicago, oh yeah, time, yeah. but then the technology is kind of ahead of itself, but not too advanced. You know what I mean? So you still got the Batwing and the sort of Batmobile, isn't it? You can hear like a V eight engine in it, but yeah, um, yeah, it's very clever. But then you've got like, then you've got like the the little kids like extra, extra, read all about it. Batman mm. arrests Joker, and you're like, uh, when is this? It's brilliant. I love yeah, that. Yeah. It's timeless it and that might be what you said earlier that might be why it holds up still so well because it's kind of effectively timeless yeah i guess so there's no you can't really pinpoint it can you so yeah absolutely films like that do tend to age better than they say yeah um so oh the other thing i was gonna say um obviously the I'm going to chuck this one in. I always say this, the building block, Dan. Bite-sized building block. Put them together for me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you from A to B. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that there were... This film was actually kicking around in Hollywood for quite a long time in production. And they were trying to work out who was going to direct it. And he went through a number of directors, Steven Spielberg. Even David Cronenberg wow. was offered this script. Could you imagine Jesus that? Jesus Christ. <laughs> that would have been, he would have been actually like the fly. He would have been half man, half bat, if that was the case. Yeah, yeah. I I think you're right, actually. I think David Cronenberg would have just completely taken it the wrong way. When he said Batman, you just would have created a, yeah, 
a guy fused <laughs> as a bat, you know, through some experiment. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yes, Jeff Goldblum <laughs> was Batman, but you got to be a real bat. <laughs> Imagine Jeff Goldblum as Batman. What are you? And he just says, "Well, I am a Batman." <laughs> yeah. It takes him ages to say anything. Yeah. yeah, he'd be playing chess in the Batgate cave, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> something like that you know <laughs> Spielberg's an interesting one as well I didn't realise he was someone who toyed with the idea that would yeah, have been interesting Spielberg um, they also had you know Steven Seagal to play Batman um, oh no way no, absolutely seriously. no yeah Sylvester Stallone oh god yeah. do you know I mean I, I, That's yeah, brilliant. it's weird, isn't it, when you think about it, you know? Yeah, I just. I know that nobody liked Michael Heaton being cast because he, like you said, he's a comic, he was a comedian. Yeah. And everybody went crazy, just like when um, Heath Ledger got cast as the Joker, mm. you know, just like when Ben Affleck got cast as Batman. And I quite like Ben Affleck as Batman. Um, and yeah. I, I think Heath Ledger was good as the Joker. Yeah, Give I, must, a chance. I must admit, I'd. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think most of the casting for Batman's been all right. Um, I know the Joel Schumacher films have been a little bit controversial, haven't they? Not controversial, but um, well, maybe people have kind of... Yeah, I think mm. you're right. I think people take the piss out of them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I kind mean, of have a soft... I've said it a million times. I have a soft spot for them, but yeah, they're, they're also trash as well. <laughs> but I love but, trash. They are, but I think Joel. I think when you look at it, I think you got to sort of think. Well, um, I'm a bit of an apologist for Joel Schumacher <laughs> because oh, he, yeah. he created the Lost Boys, so you know it's just I've got to forgive him. Of course, but man. I suppose what he, at the time he's thinking, well, I don't want to do exactly what Tim Burton's done because I'll be ripping it from that. So I want to try and do something different, and I think he has, and I think he's just gone. Let's make it more comic book fun. Which yeah, it was more like is. the 60s Batman yeah. mm-hmm. with Adam West, but also spliced with a little bit of that Tim Burton-ness about it. And he yeah. got the actors in, you know, he had Arnie, Jim Carrey, George Clooney, Val Kilmer, you know, we got all these people involved in it. So they were they were really all big summer blockbusters, mm. but they just haven't stood the test of time. No. Whereas I kind of, I have a bit of a soft spot for them. I love Arnie as Mr. Freeze. I think it's ridiculous and I love it so much, you know, and I think Val Kilmer is really bad Batman and really bad Bruce Wayne. I think George Clooney was quite good. Quite like that. George Clooney came out with one of the best lines I've ever heard in a film, actually, when he plays Batman, because he comes down, he flies down into the Batcave. I think he does it Adam West style. I'm sure he's got a pole in this one. And as he comes down, he's he's ready in the back with in the Batmobile, and then there's the bike next to him. But Robin's sort of like about five minutes behind him, and then George Clooney comes down and goes, "This is the reason why Superman doesn't have a partner." Do you know what I mean? Just like <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, such a I remember that. such a George Clo- George Clooney thing to come out and say as well. Do you know what I mean? He's just got that sort of you know sort of cool about him. You know, just. He's probably just come off the set from Dust Till Dawn then, so, you know, he just had that sort of thing about him, you know, just oozing cool, so... Yeah, it was There's all right, been so many, so many Batmans, really, mm. hasn't there? Um, 
for me though as you can probably guess mm. this, this is my batman this is my batman film yeah. and we haven't even talked about and we will but we haven't even talked about how insane it is that they cast jack nicholson as the joker that is just off the off the chain off the chain yeah um <laughs> Yeah, they obviously Tim Burton obviously had him in mind, and I think um, they originally hired Robin Williams to play the Joker. Yeah. And some, well, this is what I've read on social media. You've probably read this as well, Dan. Is that it was kind of like dangling a carrot in front of um, Jack Nicholson, kind of drew him a little bit closer to the role, saying, "No, I will do it." Um, but I. Yeah, he's he's just ideal for it, isn't he? He's got that craziness about him. Um, I think it's Jack Nicholson is a real actor. He's a serious actor, and he's mm. made some incredible films. He's played some incredible characters. He could have come into this and not really given a shit. He could have come in and done a Bruce Willis, taken the money, and just phoned it in. However, you can tell he's having a lot of fun yep. with this character, this role, and he's taking it seriously, and he plays it. He, he meets this really fine sweet spot of making the audience laugh mm. but also I'm a little bit scared of him at times because you never know what he's going to do or say he's yeah. really unhinged I just feel like he's the best Joker and I know a lot of people are going to say no Heath Ledger but I think I honestly for me Jack Nicholson is just an incredible Joker yeah yeah he's um because he actually knows the Joker, he knows the character more than I realised. Because, you know, when you do podcasts and you do a little bit more research, and he actually knew a lot about the character in the DC comics, and he's actually quite a fan. So he knew what the character was going to be like. And again, I'll bring, bring this up again when I was watching it last night um, with Becky. She was going, oh my God, he's just, he's just crazy. And she was, almost, she was saying, I just find it hard to watch. I went, really? Yeah, yeah. And I said, I said, don't take this the wrong way, but I said, that's a good thing because that means he's working for you because that's what the joke is supposed to be like. He's supposed to be this uncomfortable character. That you just, like you said, he's just unpredictable. Um, and you shouldn't really be laughing at some of the things he does, you know. No. And I think this is the reason why this film in the UK was given a 12A. They, they created a certification for this film. Mm. And that's because there's the scenes where he's he's making light of murder and hitting women, and you know there's that scene where he puts Alicia's mask on the mantelpiece and says she fell out of a three-story window. But as a great man once said, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Yeah, <laughs> and just smashes the yeah. mask, and it's like fucking hell, he's throwing mm. her out a window. <laughs> mm, that's it, and he's laughing about it, and yeah, he's just drawing you in, isn't he, to think. Almost make it seem like that's okay to do, but it's not. But he's he's brilliant. <laughs> he's yeah. Wouldn't hit a man with glasses on, would you? <laughs> 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 Every line out of his mouth, you know, and even his sidekick Bob. I love Bob, his sidekick. Yeah, I don't know why. I just love Bob. <laughs> he's um, uh, Conan the Destroyer. He's Conan's sidekick in that. He's the only, that's the only other thing I've seen him in. See, I couldn't place where I'd seen him before. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's Conan's uh, little sidekick. So, plays the same sort of character in the movies, and apparently he's um, Jack Nicholson's one of Jack Nicholson's uh, best mates in real life, or something. So, oh, nice. So, 
yeah, there's a good friendship between those two in this. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so it's called was he is it Bob the Goon or something like that, isn't it? I think Bob the called. Goon. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> You're my number one guy. <laughs> oh, Jack. Well, that leads us on to Jack Palance being in this as well. Yes, yeah. So he's like the sort of God. veteran, sort of Hollywood actor, and he's turned up in a lot of stuff. Um, and Lando Calrissian. Yeah, yeah, as Harvey Dent. Um, so he plays obviously the sort of well, not in this, but he's the Two Face character, isn't he? He's the only other character yeah, in this and movie who's they... actually a character. Maybe they were going to do something with him in the sequel, but they never did. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened with that, to be honest with you. So, it, it never really got written in, did it, for the other movies? Well, it did. Obviously, no, well, Tommy Lee Jones. Jones played him in mm. Batman and Robin, or whichever it was, Batman Forever, I don't know which one of the three was. Um, but, yeah, nothing more with um, Lando Calrissian. No, no, but, uh, yeah, no, he's, he's another good um, actor. He's got he's got a lot of charm about him as well, isn't he, Billy D. Williams? Oh, he's smooth as butter. He that guy, isn't he? Very smooth, yeah. Very smooth. <laughs> and the other actor in this who's turned up in a lot of films is that guy. Is a guy called William Hootkins. He plays Lieutenant Eckhart in this. And uh, Eckhart. Eckhart, yeah. <laughs> sort of that sort of noir. Lieutenant, he saw a cigar in his mouth, and he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a big fat guy eating mm, sandwiches, smoking it. a cigar. <laughs> when I watched it, I thought that, you know, when uh, Jack Napier gives him like a sort of paper bag, I just thought he was going to be a sandwich. I didn't think it <laughs> I've got you your favourite sandwich. Like, so I, I don't know why, I just thought that was going to, it wasn't his money. Um, but yeah, he's turned up in other movies he was one of the X-Wing pilots in uh, um, A New Hope really yeah and he's also in um, one of my favourite films called Biggles he plays uh, Biggles yeah he's he's in that as well so he's one of those guys that turns up you just yeah you get these sort of side characters that you see everywhere in movies yeah, I mean, it's great cast wall to wall, really. You know, every little character throughout. And we've not even talked about it, but we will as we go through the film. We've got Kim Bassinger in this, you know, as well, who's yeah. absolutely stunning in she this. She is lovely. Jerry Hall, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, she's in this as well. She's got a small role as Alicia. Uh, and there's just a bunch of other people in it. And of course, we can't not mention Alfred, Michael Goff, who plays Alfred. Iconic character. Probably, again, my favourite Alfred, I would say. Yeah. Out of all of the Batman movies. Yeah, yeah. I love him in this. And um, the other thing I was going to say is this: the the, the background or the with this is it's based on a comic, The Killing Joke, and um, it's from a series of the jo- the Joker Wars or something like that in the DC world. Um, you might know a little bit more than than I do with that, Dan. I yeah, know. I know The Killing Joke. I can't remember the name of the writer now, and I should, but I'm more Marvel than I am DC. But mm. um, I know that the Batman got a little bit campy in the 60s. So in the 70s, they tried to bring it back and make it a little bit more dark. Mm. So the 70s and 80s saw quite dark comic books for Batman. Um, yeah, so that, that make, would make sense that this was inspired by some of that as well, definitely, because... Yeah, obviously, like you've got the whole stuff with Robin getting beaten to death with a crowbar, and all of that kind of stuff happens in the comic books around that time. So, and Tim Burton, you know, again, he, he always does very dark 
you know, Beetlejuice was quite dark. Yeah. It's about a couple who die at the beginning of the movie and, and they have to deal with the afterlife. So they, you never make stuff that's quite, that, that's very lighthearted. Um, yes, that's right. So um, I, I just think it's just a combination of a perfect storm, really. Yeah, Tim Burton, he does have his signature, doesn't he? When you watch his films, is like with uh, Sleep, Sleepy Hollow. Um, all of his films just have that sort of dark darkness. It was Edward Scissorhands that he did as well. Oh, I love Edward Scissorhands as um, well. I've always thought that Tim Burton would probably do a really good Flash Gordon remake. Ricky Morgan would wow. probably be throwing stuff at me right now, going, RJ, what are you talking about? But... <laughs> 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 will you will you stop ruining my films? <laughs> oh, well, I know that Tim Burton is being um, is talking about producing a Netflix series of the Adams Family. Oh right, and okay. that sounds perfect because those Adam those nineties Adams Family movies they feel quite Tim Burton. I was going to say they're not. they're not they're not are they? No, I no, thought they but, were. But it's like a perfect product for him, really. Mm. As was Batman. And of, of course, Tim Burton was going to do a Superman movie with our friend, our Nicholas hero, Cage. Nicolas Cage. Oh, was that Tim Burton that was going to do that? Was it? Yeah, it was going to be called, I think it was called Superman Lives, if I remember rightly. And it was going to star the, the great Nicolas Cage as Superman. Yeah. Lesson, oh, lesson of Krypton. Yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> I'm going to save the fucking day, aren't I? <laughs> so fucking, yeah. Oh, if Superman said that, that would have been brilliant. Oh, man, yeah, that's it, yeah. Could you imagine him fighting Lex Luthor, couldn't you? You know what I mean? Well, I can't help but wonder if Tim Burton was, because he obviously then went on to make a sequel to this, mm. Batman Returns, set at Christmas. I really like that sequel. Mm. I really do. Um, I wonder then if he was then going to make the Superman Lives, if he was going to perhaps look at doing some kind of crossover in future. That would have been interesting to see Tim Burton's take on the DC universe oh, right. in another, you know, alternative dimension. That would have been crazy. Yeah, I imagine that. I can just imagine Nicolas Cage fighting off with Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor going, yeah. do you think I'm an arsehole? And then Cage going, yeah. Fucking <laughs> 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 something like that. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, put the kryptonite down. Yeah, put the kryptonite back in the box. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, you say with Adam's family, um, Batman. You had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles come out the year after this, um, and then of course we had Dick Tracy come out as well, didn't we? So oh yeah, Dick like, Tracy. Yeah. I think Dick Tracy came out in the early nineties, didn't it? I think. It's probably about 1990, I, sh- I would say. Oh, I think that's you can see the heavy. There's a heavy influence from Batman, isn't it, and Dick Tracy in terms of the whole sort of noir. It's already got a noir thing about it, anyway, isn't it, Dick Tracy? Yeah. But it's just um, certainly the success of Batman probably helped that movie. Um, For sure, absolutely. So, should we have a look at this film then, Dan? Do you want to tell us about Batman, mate, with you? Yeah, epic storytelling, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> same time, same bad channel. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Once okay, upon well, a time, once upon a bat time. Um, so we start off in bustling Gotham City. What mm. do you think about Gotham in this movie? I mean, we talked about it briefly, but how incredible does Gotham look in this movie? Oh, I think it looks amazing. Um, they've obviously used um, some matte painting 
um, for the backdrop. Um, but the sets are incredible. I think they were made at Pinewood Studios. I think it's all. I was going to say, country. I believe a lot of it was filmed over here in the UK. And the other thing I was going to say, Access Chemical Plant is uh, where they filmed Aliens. It's uh, ah. Becton Gasworks or something. So yeah, in London. A little bit. Of a and also, there. Axis Chemical Plants. If you're a fan of Ready Player One, talking of Spielberg earlier, mm. which I am a huge fan of that. In the race at the beginning, the very first race, one of the buildings they drive past is Axis Chemical Plant. So another um, link there. Man, there's so many. Movie. There's so many Easter eggs in that film, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? It's unbelievable. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I googled movie. it once. There's like 300 Easter eggs throughout that film. Wow. You know, a character from Mortal Kombat is picking his nose in one scene, or wow. you know, whoever it is. It's just non-stop Easter eggs throughout that entire movie. It's insane. Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, I think they turn up somewhere, don't they? Chucky. Chucky, yeah, that's it. You got um, that moment where that guy just says, fucking Chucky, and Chucky just starts stabbing everybody. Oh, fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, so we kick off with, yeah, Gotham City, bustling, crazy city. Could be in the 40s, could be now, we don't know, and that's the beauty as we said. And we get what you would assume to be, because a lot of us know Batman's backstory, we assume this to be the mm. Waynes family. So, yeah. a, a mother and son come out of a theatre, sorry, a mother and father with their son come out of a theatre, and they try and grab a taxi, and they miss a taxi, and they ended up taking a, a shortcut down an alleyway. Next thing you know, they're being held up at gunpoint. Um, now, this turns out to not be uh, Bruce Wayne. This is just another, just a set now. And Bruce Wayne is already Batman because, but this obviously strikes a, a sore point for Bruce or yeah. for Batman because, you know, this reminds him of what happened to him as a kid. Mm -hmm. So these guys are up on the roof after mugging these people and they're sort of laughing, counting their money. And he says, um, one of them says, aren't you a bit worried about what everyone's been saying? The other guy says, what, you mean, you took him out of the bat? There's no such thing. Come on, it's ridiculous. And he said, well, I've heard that, um, you know, one of the guys was found with his body drained of blood, you know. And he said, look, these are all fantasies. Do you want your cut of the money or not? While they're talking, of course, we see in the, back, in the background, Batman just slowly land behind them, don't we? Yeah, very cool. You get, a, you get the reveal of him quite soon, don't you, in this movie? That's what I thought. He's within only a couple, couple of minutes, minutes. really. Mm. And of course, uh, next thing you know, they hear footsteps, they stand up, they shoot Batman. He seems to fall down, gets back up, yeah. kicks one of them through a door, hangs another one off a roof for a little bit. And that this is the moment I walked in on my first ever screening. He says, that famous, what are you? And to which he replies, I'm Batman. Incredible goosebumps, yeah. absolutely love that. I want you to tell all your absolutely. friends about me, isn't it? I mean, just like brilliant, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good because, because yeah. obviously, he could just kill him, but he wants to spread this fear throughout the criminal underworld. Yeah, and Batman does kill people, he doesn't give a shit normally, but um, it's more powerful to just spread that fear. And it does, doesn't it? Amazing. Because they, the, the two criminal guys, and they, they come out, don't they? And they're like being uh, lifted into an ambulance or something like that. And he goes, 
it was a bat. He just came out yeah. from nowhere, wasn't it? You know what I mean? They're both like shitting their pants, aren't they? You know, <laughs> it's like. It's hilarious. Yeah. And of course, the police are all thinking, well, this is nonsense. How can this be a thing? Mm. You know, and and we've got, um, uh, what was his name? Um, Eckhart. Lieutenant Eckhart, big, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the big corrupt cop on yeah. the scene. And he's sort of trying to just keep the press away from it. And we meet Alexander Knox, who's, can you give us a statement for the paper? And the guy's like, no, there's nothing to be seen here. And he's like, do you know anything about this Batman? Mm. And he said, look, it's nothing to do with that. And this is the bit you just mentioned then. As he says that, he hears one of the guys going, it was a big tall man dressed as a, as a bat. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. He says, don't print this in the paper, Knox. Mm. <laughs> it's very funny because he says, um, is there a six foot man dressed as a bat on the police payroll? And if so, what is he? what are his wages? Uh, and he sort of takes the piss a little bit here. Um, yeah, funny. And we find out that Eckhart is on the payroll later on, but we'll, mm-hmm. uh, of um, Jack Palance Grissom a bit later on, don't we? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Because we meet um, Jack Napier, and he's watching television with the reports of this um, Harvey Dent dinner and press conference where he's saying, you know, we're going to fight crime in Gotham. We've seen this a million times in a million Batman films, but we have to have that. It's kind of a staple, really. And Jack Nicholson is, uh, or Jack Napier, is watching this TV, and he's with his what we think is his girlfriend, played by Jerry Hall. Yeah. But actually, she's really Grissom's girlfriend, and they're mm. having a secret naughty little affair. Mm-hmm. Which you find out later on, don't you? Just bolsters it up a little bit, and uh, yeah, pushes. She says, um, he says, "This Harvey Dent's got nothing. He can't do anything. I'll, I'll, I'll hand him his lungs." on a plate and she says and if Grissom find out about me and you what do you think he would hand you and he sort of laughs and he's like he's never going to find out about mm-hmm. us and he's playing with his lucky deck of cards so we're setting up all those sort of joker things it's brilliant yeah I love it it's a nice setup, isn't it and he's looking very um, he's got a really nice suit on as well isn't it it's just kind of like developing into the joker character isn't it, it just gives you a little bit of a glimmer Oh, he's a gangster, isn't he? He's got mm. some great suits. And he's very vain as well, which is why turning into the Joker is such a, um, um, you know, uh, messes his mind up so much because he's so vain. At one point, he's looking at himself in the mirror and he's sort of doing his hair and she walks past and she says, you look great. And he sort of looks at her and says, I didn't ask. Because mm, he knows, he knows he looks great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a real turnaround, isn't it, for the character? And I think you notice that more the, every time you watch it. Those little bits of detail. Oh yeah, absolutely. You see all the little you because obviously this time around, I've seen this movie at umpteen times. We know that Grissom is onto him. Yeah. We know that he knows about his affair. He thinks he's being all clever and getting away with it. So, um, Alexander Knox, the reporter that we met earlier, he arrives back at his newspaper office, back at the Gotham... What's the name of the newspaper? I never remember, it, actually. Gotham Bugle or something, whatever it's called. Oh, got um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He gets back there, and they're all taking the piss out of him, saying, oh, here we go, I found a picture of the guy you're after, and someone's drawn a sketch of a guy in a suit and tie with a bat face and wings. It's that typical and sort of thinks, banter oh, in an office, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's- Axel Foley gets the same thing, doesn't he? You know, <laughs> want a cigarette, Axel? <laughs> yeah, 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 I've heard that one before. 
or um, uh, Danny Glover oh, and yeah. his daughter stars in the With condom the commercial. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Jewel for the condoms, isn't it? Yeah, just check that one in there. <laughs> oh, but yeah. he is in luck because as he approaches his desk, he sees an amazingly long pair of gorgeous mm. legs. Yeah, she's and looking very stunning. Hello, legs. <laughs> The Kim Bassinger entry. And, but, <clears throat> yeah, Bassinger, Basinger. At some point, her name changed. Oh, now, I God, used to call yeah. it Kim Bassinger. Yeah, that's right. That was a thing, wasn't it, in the 90s, wasn't it? This whole... Yeah, I remember that getting brought up. Is it Bassinger or Basinger? Yeah, I don't know which one it is. I mean, nowadays, people say Basinger, but... When she first came out, I'm sure she was Kim Bassinger. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought I've always said Kim Bassinger, you know. I suppose it's the same as... You say tomato, I say tomato, isn't it, or whatever, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I forgot about well, that. Well, she plays, she plays Vicky Vale, who is um, a, a photographer, an amazing prize-winning photographer who's toured the world. She's been to loads of war zones. She knows what she's doing. Mm. And she basically wants to team up with Alexander Knox, who's writing these stories about this bat guy in Gotham. She thinks if she can get some photos... And he can write a story that they can win the Pulitzer Prize. They can, you know, make a name for themselves. And he's like, this is brilliant. Someone actually believes me. I don't know how we're going to do it, though, because I can't even get two seconds with Commissioner Gordon. No one will talk to me. And she says, well, I've got some tickets to Bruce Wayne's benefit tonight. And everyone's going to be there. Anyone who everyone's going to be there. So we can go there tonight. And we can try and find out a little bit more information. You could question Commissioner Gordon, Harvey Dent. Brilliant. So they're off to the party. Yeah. Awesome. And I like the way Love that um, Bruce Wayne sort of, she's she's walking around the party, isn't she? And then she bumps into him, but she doesn't know it's him, does she? And he's just sort of very sort of uh, plays it, for, underplays it a little bit, doesn't he? And this is where his like character comes in, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? He's almost got like a little bit of a comical tone to it. Yeah, she says, "Do you know who Bruce Wayne is?" And he says, "Not really, no." And that's almost like an insight into his mind. Like, I don't really know who I am. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. In fact, yeah. When you look at that scene now, it is actually quite sort of poignant, isn't it, for the actual film? Because yeah. she's saying, "Are you Bruce Wayne?" Hmm. I don't know. I'm, like, I don't know. Bruce Wayne is. <laughs> it's almost like he's kind of almost telling her there and then that I, there's two of me. There's this yeah. sort of alter ego, and then you get Bruce Wayne. So whichever one you want to pick, yeah, it's very clever. That actually, when I think about it, it's a very cool party. Obviously, it's Bruce Wayne's manor, so it's huge. There's people, you know, playing, um, doing the casino games, yeah. and having fun. <laughs> Alfred's walking around making sure that Bruce isn't smashing glasses he keeps catching little glasses as they're about to drop off behind mm. him and stuff and um, yeah Alexander Knox and Vicky Vale are snooping around they uh, they try to get some information out of the, the Harvey Dent and uh, Commissioner Gordon but no one will speak to them they have a bit of a snoop around they walk into a room full of crazy statues in war weapons and they start slagging off bruce wayne saying this guy must be nuts look at this where do you think he bought that and then he appears behind them and he says japan mm. and like, how do you know that and he says well that's where i bought it in japan yeah, that's it and they suddenly realize oh shit this is bruce wayne wow <laughs> 
and he says, um, how can I help? And he says, can you give me a grant? <laughs> and uh, Bruce Wayne, when he leaves, he says to Alfred, give uh, Mr. Knox a grant, please. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I picked up on that last night, actually, when he said that. I thought, he's just done it. Boom, there you go. That's it. <laughs> oh, and uh, well, six, six bottles of yeah, champagne as well, wasn't it? Yeah. You know? yeah. And he sort of goes to him, what do you reckon? Six? Well, six do? Yeah, okay, well, say six. Yeah, so <laughs> okay. rich. So rich. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, while this party is happening, Jack Palance is basically setting up Jack Napier because he knows he's having an affair with his wife. Mm. So he pretends that they need to go to Axis Chemicals and they need to take some stuff out of the safe uh, and cover their tracks because there's some stuff that could get them all into trouble at Axis Chemicals. Secretly, though, he's already cleared the safe out. And what he does is as soon as Jack leaves, Jack Napier leaves for Axis Chemicals with his goons, he then calls the cops. Yeah. And he says... I'd like to report an incident. So he's setting him up straight away. And now wind of this gets to Commissioner Gordon at Bruce Wayne's party. And uh, a guy walks in a cop and he says, oh, just to let you know that um, Jack Napier has been reported at um, Axis Chemicals. And they're like, right, this is our chance. Let's go and get him. So uh, Bruce Bruce spies all of this because he's got secret cameras all around his He, he must have them mansion. everywhere, mustn't he? Because he just sort of zooms in and he can listen to what they're saying, can't he? You know, there must be microphones everywhere. It does make everywhere. you wonder yeah. uh, what, what goes on in his bedroom then. Yeah, that's it. It's like, what the <laughs> hell? And, uh, yeah. The voyeur back cave. <laughs> 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 just rewinding back tapes of him and Vicky Vale well this is it <laughs> oh, God almighty okay um, yeah so Alfred comes in and he says Master Wayne he says Commissioner Gordon had to leave quite suddenly and he's like yeah and he's like you need to come with me now and he's like oh shit yeah I've got to go and do my Batman thing alright sure cool so he sort of leaves goes off goes down the back cave checks out what's yeah. going on Right, he's going to go go to Axis Chemicals now. So these cops all arrive at Axis Chemicals and they say, okay, guys, we've got orders to shoot to kill. And Eckhart's like, yeah, shoot to kill, if you know what I mean. We mm. want this guy dead. Basically, they've been ordered to just shoot Jack Napier dead. Boom, they want him done, out of the picture. He's having an affair. Get him out of it. However, Commissioner Gordon turns up, and he's such a nice guy. He's a good guy in this, isn't he, Commissioner Gordon? Oh, yeah. He seems like yeah, a really yeah. nice, decent fellow. And he turns up, and he's like, no, no one is to shoot anybody. We want these men arrested. So he kind of interferes a little bit. So Jack Napier and his guys, they're, suddenly they're involved in this huge shootout because they realize they've been set up. And they have this big shootout around Axis Chemicals now. Yeah, that's it. It's pretty old school. Yeah. And this is, is this the set of Aliens, you're saying? This is where they filmed Aliens, yeah? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so this was the, um, yeah, basically when they get down to Hadley's Hope in Aliens, this is the same location. So when you look at it, I looked at it last night, you can just see this, the grates on the floor. It's, you can see parts of it that look the same. Um, and that's the bit where they say to the Marines in Aliens, they say to them... Um, no hot rounds or something, and she's got some secret shotgun shells. Yeah, that's it. Let's rock! <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. Well, you're supposed to use yeah. harsh ah, language. Yeah. yeah, that's it. So it's that part. I there, can man. see it now. Now mm. you've said that, I can see that. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, that's the sort of tie over there with that. And the other thing I was going to say, you know, mentioned um, the Commissioner Gordon. Uh, it was, that role was offered to Tom Atkins as well. You no. Imagine, you imagine Tom Atkins in this film. He'd be great, that would it? have been amazing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's what I would have thought. You know, he he probably would have been more sort of trench coat and a cigar. Do you know what I mean? Got some news about Thrill the me. dates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've arrived. The bad news is they're all dead. <laughs> yeah, thrill me. Do you know what though? I, I can see him as Commissioner Gordon. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He'd he'd be he'd be tugging on some sort of cigar, um, or cigarette. Yeah, that's it. Oh yeah, I can definitely see that. He'd be um, he'd be trying to sort of get him with Vicky Vow, I think, as well, wouldn't he? With his, uh, <laughs> you know, with that tash. <laughs> Thrill Step. me. Yeah, thrill me, mate. Give me some sugar. I oh, know, that's Bruce Campbell, isn't it? <laughs> Imagine Bruce Campbell as Batman. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who am I? Who the hell are you? I'm Batman. What the hell? Come on. <laughs> Here we go. It's like a joke. You going, well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. <laughs> what are you supposed to be? Krusty the Clown? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I kind of want to see that. <laughs> yeah, I could see that, yeah. <laughs> well, while the shootout's going on, um, Batman obviously shows up mm. and he starts taking out some of the Joker's guys. Yeah. And he's spotted by Commissioner Gordon. And there's this moment, and I get goosebumps when the police and Commissioner Gordon first spots what they think is this legend and they see him and he looks down and they look up at him and he says, Oh my God! Yeah, and he just looks up and you see him, and you think, "Shit, he's real." Yeah, he's taking these guys. It's brilliant. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's like you say, it's like, "Oh my God, he is real." You know, like, wow, you know, in this crazy town, we got some guy in a bat suit. Oh dear. Now I don't know if this is supposed to be what I think it is, but I messaged you this last night. Mm. Um, there's a moment where. Jack Napier, Jack Nicholson, picks up an axe and starts swinging an axe just like he does in The Shining. Okay. Right, yeah, because I remember you saying, yeah, so it's that part. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. He starts cracking open all the vats full of chemicals and pulling all the levers, basically causing as much distraction and mayhem as he can to get away from these police. Um, And Jack Nicholson in real life was a volunteer firefighter. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. No. So oh, wow. when they did those takes of The Shining, mm. he went through the door in about three chops because he's actually taken down doors in the past oh, right, um, right. as part of his volunteer firefighting. So they had to g- give him blunter axes and tougher doors so wow. they could do more takes because he was just going through doors like they were hot knife through butter when they were doing that in The Shining. There's your little fact about Jack Nicholson. Do you think on, <laughs> do you think on set, like Tim Burton said, there you go, Jack, there's a door, go on, do it. You know, chuck that <laughs> axe through there and say it, go on. <laughs> Here's Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> well, Batman catches up with Jack Napier. Now, obviously, Jack Napier is the one that killed his parents, so he's got a beef with him. Yeah. He... Ends up shooting at Batman. Batman deflects the bullets back into Jack Napier's cheeks. Jack Napier falls. Batman grabs him, but he slips into the chemicals. Looks like Batman might have killed the Joker. The police think they don't know. They're not sure. And Batman runs away in a smoke bomb cloud. 
away from the police. And of course, we get the special, the hand come out of the, what I like to think of the Terminator 2 moment, where the hand comes out of the liquid. And we yeah. know that Joker has all been fucked up, basically. <laughs> I was just going to say, that bit, just going back to Batman again, he's got that little smoke capsule. Yeah. But God knows what he's doing, because he's going upwards. And <laughs> it it creates a little bit of smoke, but you still see him fly upwards. And I just think, yeah, oh, I can't, I can't, there's a little bit of theatrical element there with that but um yeah it's just well i think realistically this batman this version of batman is more it is a bit campier because at the beginning when he was attacking the two guys on the roof he does this thing quite often like dracula where he'll open his cape up yeah and it's all about theatrics you're right it's about mm. intimidation scaring you know if you saw that guy and you didn't know who Batman was, and you saw this guy open up his cape really wide like he was going to attack you, or smoke just went off. You'd think, what the hell is that? Oh my God, he's gone flying up through the roof. This is crazy. So I think there's definitely some elements of theatrics in this, definitely. Yeah. I just sort of wonder where he's going to go. You know, if I had a a cable gun, I'd probably go to the ceiling and I'd just be hanging there because there'd be nowhere else to go. I'd be going, shit, where do I go now? I'd be like, like, RJ, what how are you going to get down? Uh, yeah, you'll <laughs> you'll be down the bottom going, yeah, I really like that. You know, that looked pretty cool. All the, all the cloud of smoke, you going up the wire. But where the fuck are you going to go now? And, I, and I'm picturing myself now dressed as Robin. Yeah. I'm like, you've forgotten me. <laughs> I'll be shouting to you saying, just don't do what I did because it didn't work. I'm coming down. <laughs> No, you'd be shouting at me saying, this is why Superman works alone. Yeah, this is it, yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't, no one else can see my fuck-ups. <laughs> so oh, that is our dear. first major action scene. We've had yeah. gunfights, Joker thrown in a vat of liquid, Batman fly- flying around in clouds of smoke. And we cut now to a more chilled scene of Bruce and Vicky having their first date at yeah. Wayne Manor. Mm-hmm. Hilarious seeing this. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. She's he's at one end of the table, she's at the other, isn't she? You know. Can you pass me over the salt? Spe- <laughs> the what? <laughs> the salt. Oh sorry. And then she says, Do you really enjoy eating in this room? And he's like, uh I'm not sure if I've ever been in this room yeah. actually. And I don't even know if he's joking when he says that. <laughs> I wouldn't it's be hilarious, surprised. isn't it? Yeah, his house is so big I don't think I've ever been in there. Yeah, that's probably true, actually, I'd say. So they end up having a lovely scene where they take their soup down to the the kitchen and they sit with Alfred. They have a glass of wine. Alfred tells stories about Bruce when he was younger. And it's just, this is what I was saying earlier on, it's just these lovely moments we can slow it down. Yeah. And we've got such great actors and actresses within this film that we're happy to just go along with them telling a little bit of... Sometimes backstory feels very forced in the wrong hands. Mm. But when you've got Michael Goff as Alfred telling a story about Bruce Wayne going horse riding, I'll listen to that for hours. Yeah. I'm happy yeah, it's with very, that. Very sort of homely conversation, isn't it? And like you say, it works very well, especially after the, uh, your first major action, action scene, like you say. So, yeah, it yeah. cuts quite well. He says, um, I think I've embarrassed bruce enough for this evening i'll I'll go to bed and he leaves them of course bruce uh takes uh vicky off to bed 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Cheeky. I can just hear. <laughs> I can just hear Gary Hill now if he was on the show. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> A little bit of bat sex. Yeah, this is it. I suppose, sir. Bat condoms. Bruce would be hanging upside down, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, bat condoms. <laughs> so while they're while they're uh, having sweet bat love, um, we find out what happened to Jack Napier, and that he is in some back alley plastic surgeon. This bit really freaked me out as a kid because mm. he's got all the bandages like the Invisible Man on his face. Yep. And the plastic surgeon saying, "Nate, you've got to understand, I've got some really shit tools," and he points to his tools. They're all really blunt and rusty. Mm. He's like, I'm limited to what I can work with, but I've done everything I can. But your nerves were severed beyond repair. There's been a lot of damage to your skin tissue. So he gets impatient and he rips off all the bandages. And he says to him, give me the mirror. Give me the mirror. He looks. We don't see any of it at this point. And he looks in the mirror. And this, the laugh that he comes out with when he smashes the mirror after he sees what he looks like. This laugh is just the stuff of legends. Mm-hmm. And he just walks off, walks up the stairs, laughing in the dark to himself. And you think, this is a, this guy is terrifying. Yeah, I know what you mean with the bandages as well. Something sort of hammer horror about that's this scene. You know, where you've got like a I doctor. Think, I think there is. Um, it's like Burton a... famously loves the hammer and the, and the universal stuff, doesn't he? So Yeah, it's kind of like a must be Baron Frankenstein type thing going on here isn't it you know where he's created a monster or something like that it's just the yeah it does feel like that well um talking of batman hanging upside down mm. we do cut back briefly to vicky vale waking up in the middle of the night to see bruce wayne just hanging upside down on one of those sort of back braces that people do for relaxation yeah i did like that yeah i like a little spin on that with like him hanging upside down as a bat i thought that was quite cool yeah it's really yeah. cool Makes no sense, but it's fine. I guess oh, I don't know what it does. I don't know if it just <laughs> relaxes Maybe your back in his, some uh, way. I don't know, but yeah. After after he's had sex, he likes to hang upside down for <laughs> an hour. Just yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Put his uh, Batman Durex back in the drawer. <laughs> Save that for another time. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. Well, Joker as he likes to be called now, we find out, he goes and meets the crime bosses. He First of all, he meets Jerry Hall um, and he tells her, you know, he's, he's now this guy. Uh, and then he meets Grissom and Grissom says, he hears someone come up in the elevator and he says, is that you, Sugar Plum? Mm. He says, no, it's me. He's like, who the hell are you? He's like, it's me, Jack. He's like, Oh, I thought you were dead. He was like, you killed, wanted to kill me over a woman. Mm. You must be insane. And then he loses it and just starts blasting at him um, and laughing and dancing and singing. And he just shoots him about 10 times. Just absolutely kills him. Is this where he starts spinning around, doesn't he? And he shoots sort of under his leg and backwards, yeah. doesn't he? And he's sort of very, like, again, it's all theatrics and it takes his hat off. And he goes, Jack... Jack's dead. He goes, I'm the Joker, isn't it? <laughs> and I'm a whole uh, and, lot happier. <laughs> and the thing is, RJ, what Jack, why I like this character and mm. what I, I like this version of the Joker is, everything he does, he does for the audience. It's almost like he believes in his own psychotic head. 
he's constantly got an audience around him which he has where the viewer is watching him so a lot of the time he'll make jokes when there's no one else around um you know and he and it's just for us but it's entertaining yeah and that's what's so brilliant about it because Mm -hmm. he just he does this he does this stuff like you know he'll laugh he'll dance and he'll sort of you know there's the next scene where he meets the crime bosses oh yeah and he's got the makeup on to cover up his white face and he walks in and and they go, what, what's going on here? And he sort of says, well, look, Grissom's gone now. I'm the, I'm the boss. And if you don't like it, then, you know, you've got me to talk to. And then he shakes that one guy's hand and just burns him alive with this hand buzzer. Yeah, that's it. incinerates him. So you're kind of getting <laughs> the first um, gadget here, aren't you, from the Joker, isn't it, and what he can do. And completely burns that guy up, doesn't it, to a cinder, doesn't it? He just completely... Well, it's just a corpse, really. Yeah, and he yeah. says, he says to the rest of them, you'll have to excuse whatever his name is. He's just got a little bit hot under the collar. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he's laughing continuously, isn't he? When he starts and, then, and then even after they all leave and it's just him and the corpse, he says, oh, what's that? You want to? Okay. Yeah. I... Oh, yeah. Okay. And he's like chatting to this burnt corpse. Mm. It's so brilliant. And, and dark <laughs> yeah it's almost as it. if he's talking to a, someone an imaginary character isn't it or something you know it's just like someone else is there with him or yeah it's just and and, and even when he wipes his forehead and you just see a little bit of white underneath where he's wiped off the, the paint that just adds to the craziness of it yeah yeah it's uh, it's clever isn't it because it, it and again though isn't it how he just jumps from going back to Jack Napier for a minute and then just goes back into the Joker again doesn't it so he can sort of sort of jump between two characters Joker's just taken over now isn't he He's, yeah. yeah the Jack's in there somewhere but Joker is becoming more and more and more apparent yeah. he even mimics Jack Palance when he says to Bob you know I need you to go and take pictures and do this and that and he says because Bob yeah that's it you are my number one guy <laughs> And that's so, what Jack Palance said to him earlier. It's a little bit of Nicholas, really just... Nicholas Cage coming out there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh. Oh, I reckon Nicholas Cage could probably just play the Joker as well, you know. I reckon he'll probably have a good run at it. Actually. Oh, wow. Maybe yeah. his age now, that might be good. Mm. I always liked Mark Hamill doing the Joker's oh, voice in the cartoons. Yes, he did the voice, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. He's another, he's another very sinister character, isn't he? Mark Hamill. Yeah, he can play some really like, especially with his, his voiceover work. You know, he's and, and a lot of people might laugh at me or might not know what I'm talking about here. But there was a '90s TV show called The Flash, based on The Flash, hmm. um, and Mark Hamill played the trickster in, in that series, and he was really unhinged, really sinister oh, character okay. that The Flash yeah, had up against. I could see him play um, like that actually. Yeah, he just seems very uh, yeah. Every time when I see him like being interviewed or talking, he's very, yeah, very sinister. But <laughs> <laughs> well, he's Luke Skywalker as well, so you know you've got to love him for that. Sinister Luke Skywalker. Oh no, yeah. Well, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, Vicky now starts to find out a little bit more about Bruce because Bruce has stood her up, so she goes off and follows him. She's a little bit fatal attraction at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she follows Bruce around the city. And she sees him putting a couple of roses down, which oh, is where we find right. out later is the, sh- the space where his parents were killed in front of him. Yeah. 
But this leads us to now, if you've got clown phobias, this next scene is going to really freak you out because we get a bit of a press conference going on, but suddenly all these gradually all these mimes start turning up all around the place, and they're all doing their miming. One's trapped behind a glass door. One's pulling a rope. Bruce is there, and Vicky's there. Alexander Knox is there, but then suddenly the Joker turns up, and he says, um, "He says to the crime boss, are you talking about uh, signing this contract? Because I saw him sign it in his own blood, and he used this very pen." Mm-hmm. And they're all looking at this guy, like, "Who's this guy?" And then he throws the quill, stabs the guy in the throat, and he does that brilliant line where he says, "The pen is truly mightier than the sword." Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and he just killed this guy in front of her and then his his mimes just started mowing people down with mm. their machine guns fucking hell it's pretty full on it is full on and it's full on how he, our pen can be that lethal as well isn't it as he throws it to that guy as well do you know what I mean and again it's another sort of joker gadget isn't it he's got his He's got as many gadgets as Batman has, isn't it? And I think that's where you kind of got the tie over between the two. You know, they both got, they both. I wonder if uh, this scene was um, homaged in that Batman movie where Heath Ledger does that with a pencil into the guy's face. Oh yes, exactly. Yeah, when he's in the, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it might be actually because yeah. that's on a table, isn't it? With all the other yeah, sort of games. Smashes so his head down yeah, to the table. Yeah. And I sort of wonder where he gets people to work for him as well, do you know what I mean? Because, like you say, he's got all these mimes. So they've obviously come forward, so he's obviously getting a bit of a following now as well with people. I always wonder, for a henchman, like a Joker henchman or somebody, mm. what's the pay like? What well, the pay's like? Yeah, this is it, you know what I mean? You know, just advertised in the paper. Do you want to be a bad guy? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know. Do you like clowns? Do you like shooting people? Do yeah. you want to work for the Joker? Because I want you to work for me. Come and work for me. Yeah. I'll give you um, £400 a week. Work for me. Do what you want. There's loads of free drugs and women and booze. You can dress up as a clown and you can shoot at people with a machine gun. Yeah. And you get like five people to turn up for the interview. Oh, I'd like to work for the Joker, please. Yeah. Am All I right, gonna, go, yeah, yeah, here's a gun. I'm going to call you Bob the Goon. You know, that's going to be your name. <laughs> Bob is the best one. Bob's yeah, the best he is, one. Yeah, that's it. He Which is. is why when he gets killed later by the Joker, it's like, fuck me, this guy is just, he doesn't care. He's off the chain. He doesn't care. He's off the off chain. Off the chain. Yeah, um, yeah crazy. Um, Bruce realises that this Joker character is Jack Napier. And he asks Alfred to get him some information on Jack Napier because he says, I think he's still alive. I think this is him. I think he's got a new persona now. Um, meanwhile, Joker wants Vicky. He finds out about Vicky Vale, this beautiful photographer that's arrived in Gotham. So we've got this tr- love triangle going on now. Bruce wants Joker because he wants to kill him. Joker wants to kill Batman. Batman wants Vale, Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale kind of wants Batman, but the Joker wants Vicky Vale. So we've got this weird three-way thing going on now. Yeah, and of course, there's throwing the mix that two of them have got multiple personalities as well. It's mm-hmm. just very interesting. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the Joker starts fucking about with chemicals. 
and he's basically made it so that if you use a certain deodorant with a baby powder or a shampoo three or four different combinations will kill you and we find this out because a newsreader live on television just starts having a laughing uh, like a, a she just starts cracking up, laughing her face off, yeah. to the point she falls down dead with a Joker smile on her face. Mm. I thought that was pretty freaky, actually. I don't know what it was when I watched that when I was younger. I was like, that's pretty... One of those scenes I wasn't expecting, do you know what I mean? But it, I do well, get... Especially when it's... Especially when it cuts to the Joker commercial where it all goes fuzzy and then you get... It's almost like that Beetlejuice commercial that he does on the Beetlejuice because he just kind of takes over the tv station and he's like love that joker and he's like hey guys do you want lovely pale complexion like me ruby oh, red lips and yeah, hair so it. green only your undertaker will know for sure if it's real then why not take it doesn't matter all the chemicals are already you've probably bought them and you're all gonna die <laughs> and they're all like what the hell is going on this is crazy oh my god oh my god and then the girls on the tv advert are just Love that Joker. Mm, <laughs> and then you've got the two, you've got the two newsreaders, haven't you? Like talking, and they've obviously used the product because they're just looking like shit, aren't they? They've got like well, loads of spots and think, crap on their face. Yeah, I think everyone stopped using it because none of them have brushed their hair. They got bad skin. There's one of the girls I noticed because I've got Batman. This Batman movie, I've got it on VHS, my original VHS, so it's very oh. old. But I decided I wanted to watch it on hd so i watched it on hd and actually in hd i noticed the newsreader has got bloody dandruff all over from from yeah. not using the products as well <laughs> See, yeah, it's just... they look really really rough yeah <laughs> like they they tended to do that in the 80s didn't they with like making newsreaders look stupid um <laughs> i think they did that in die hard as well didn't they you know like with <laughs> <laughs> Some sort of stock. These readers are always stupid. Yeah, that's it. Oh dear. So, um. um, now, next thing that happens is that Joker tricks Vicky Vale into meeting him at the museum for a date. He pretends that Bruce Wayne wants to meet her for a date at the museum. One of my favourite scenes. This I was day. just about to say that. I was just going to say that is, this is one of my favourite scenes. I like. Yeah, this is. This is cool because you get the Prince soundtrack coming now, then you're on the uh, beatbox. Yeah, you got the Party Man song. Um, yeah. So she sat there waiting, you know, I wonder where the hell, where Bruce Wayne is. And then she gets a little present given to her by the waiter and it just says, put this on. And it's a little bright orange mask. gas mask. Mm. And then loads of gas comes out, knocks everyone out. And then suddenly, as you say... That, that music kicks in and Joker walks in. One of his guys has got a big boombox on his shoulder. Yeah. And these guys are just having a ton of fun, as you would say. Yeah. They are going around, drawing on everything, smashing things. You know, Joker's loving it. Bob's yeah. making notes. Because <laughs> when, when I was watching this with Bex, this actually made Bex start to sort of dance. She's going, you know, that sort of <laughs> Prince, dun, 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 do it. Do, it's do, a funky do, tune, man. You know what I mean? He's just going around, isn't he? Yeah, party party man. Man. <laughs> He's just like it's spraying great. everything, aren't they? And then Joker's got his like stick and he's just pointing it forward, isn't he? You know, <laughs> he's just he loves it. He's just sort of smashing, slashing stuff. And he's... someone paints uh, us to look like Joker. 
And it's funny really because I was um, we was talking about Sega earlier. Just a little bit of a sort of plug in there with Sega, but he's uh, the Joker's henchmen reminded me of like the 16-bit sort of henchmen in um, Streets of Rage. I was just I mean? about to say Streets of Rage. Yeah, I was just, just about to say that. The same sort of aesthetic, <laughs> isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Sunglasses, um, sort of. Le- Some of them have got berets on. Berets on. They got yellow jackets on and things like that. You know, and I just thought, yeah, it's just that's what this feels like—a 16-bit video game with the music and everything. You know, it's cool. It's great. It's uh, just and, the, and, the, and there was a video game of this. You know, um, yeah, it was. Yeah. There was a really good video game of it, which I didn't own, but my friend owned. I had the I had the Sega Master System Batman Returns video game, which was good because that had like Penguin and the clowns and Catwoman in it. That was cool as well. It made a great video game. It's like a ready-made video game. This, mm. you know, with the Axis Chemical Plant and the the Batcave. Those are like levels from video games, almost, aren't they? Yeah, I think was it, a, it was it a platform? game with batman he's sort of throwing little bat wings and things like that yeah and he sort of swings across and his grappling hook across little platforms and then there's there's some of the levels you're driving in the batmobile or in the bat wing i think yeah that's right yeah and you usually get a boss at the end of the level and all that sort of stuff don't you it's yeah it's good yeah little little energy bar that you've got to knock down (laughs) that's it some bat bites or whatever (laughs) so vicky vale is witnessed this crazy d- destruction and vandalism and joker sort of comes up to her and he's like, ah miss vale nice to meet you um you know uh i'm glad you could join me today mm. and he pulls out a cigarette lighter which has got like a three foot flame on it oh that's right yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> and he says um i um the words the world's first homicidal artist and I am basically just going to town and I'm loving life right now. In fact, let me show you something I've been working on. Alicia, come here. And he brings Alicia over. And it's really harsh, man. Mm, he's awesome. put acid on her face. Because he's trying to create like art. It's just Yeah. And he's got that little disturbing. He's got like a little clown flower, isn't he, with acid coming out of it? Which Yeah. And he says to her, Let me uh let me do the thing to you. She manages to duck. Just as she does that, of course, Batman comes smashing in through the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, grabs, uh, grabs Vicky, and he says, uh, "I can't remember what what he says to him now, but he points the gun at him, and it flips into two parts, fires off into the, each wall, and he just jumps out and swings down out through the doors." And RJ, what does Joker say? Where does he get those lovely toys? Isn't it? <laughs> it's brilliant. It's so good. <laughs> it's it's exactly the line that the Joker should say as well, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? There's nothing more he needs to say, is it? Just yeah, because uh, he's impressed. Sizzle. He's yeah. like, I want one of those. Oh man, this is it. You know, but it's almost like um, the Joker is enjoying Batman as well as art. Do you know what I mean? He just loves this dude coming in and almost spoiling his party in a funny sort of homicidal sort of way, I guess. Yeah, um, totally. Because, you know, obviously later on we'll get to, well, I'll mention it now, but it's like Batman says, you created me and I created you, isn't it? So the two sort of 
the yin and the yang. Kind of need each other to operate, don't they? Do you know what I mean? Batman needs these types of characters so he can exist and vice versa, I guess. So, yeah. As as Tim Curry said in Legend, mm. there is no light without darkness. No, that's it. And, yeah, that's true. And that's the other thing. It's funny you mentioned Tim Curry. I always think there's a little bit of Michael Keaton about Tim Curry. I don't know what it is. Just... Same yeah, I can see that thing. black curly hair. Yeah, quite intense. <laughs> you imagine Tim Curry playing Batman. <laughs> Jesus Christ, It'd be like the butler. Terrifying. It'd be like the butler a clue when he running around everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Joker's in there I can somewhere. See him as Alfred. <laughs> yeah. oh, there's a door handle. Hang on. Oh no, it's a shower. <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> oh, That's a great movie. I That's need a, to watch that movie again oh, at some point. A great film that is. Yeah. That's one we should cover on bite size, I think, Dan, actually. Yeah. Ooh. Mm, clue. Now we get... Now I'm a, I'm a 42-year-old man, so this next scene gave me goosebumps like it did when I was a child. Mm. First reveal of the Batmobile. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. This yeah. Batmobile is something else, RJ. Yep. Yeah, it's just... It looks uh, amazing. It sounds good. It just... And... The, the thing with this Batmobile is it's real as well. Yeah. Um, like all the Batmobiles, I think, made for the movies, they they would have made this. Um, yeah. It was, Drives down the road, flame coming out the back. Yeah, it's got a V8 um, engine on it from an American muscle car. Um, it's got the... It's got some... Oh, the propeller at the front is come off a Harrier jump jet. That sort of round bit. Yeah, of the front, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, nice. Like the turbine wheel on there. And um, it makes that noise, and it? it sort of does that. Yeah, that's it. That yeah. high pitched sort of. Oh, God, yeah. And where it goes into, like, the cocoon, isn't it? Like, it oh, It puts the plates is... over it, you know? It's, that's an amazing scene. He says, he says, he just talks into his little hand thing, he says, shields. Yeah. And the shields just go. Just cover it up completely. And he's so good. He tells it to drive, doesn't he? And stop, doesn't he? Stop. Yeah. Stops right by his shins. So him and Vicky are uh, being chased by the Joker's goons. They stop at a, a, a like a digger, a JCB. They get out. He does his shields. He does the grappling hook. He says, "There's a funny line where he says, he stops and he says to her, how heavy are you?'" And she's like, "What?" And he's like, "How heavy are you?" She says, "About 108 pounds." And he fires the grappling hook, but he gets stuck halfway because she's lied to him about her weight. Later on, he says, you weigh a little bit more than 108. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a funny little... <laughs> but that's what I said earlier, though, isn't it? He, he's basically given her the wire. She has to hold on to that. And he just says, don't let go. And then he goes, and he just drops. He just and drops. Thinks... Yeah, he just drops down. Um, he gets <laughs> knocked out briefly. Yeah. Um, Ends up fighting a couple of the Joker's goons. Bit of kung fu. We get a first ninja show up mm-hmm. with his ninja swords. His Leonardo from the, the uh, Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that's it. Is that is that where he does the sort of Indiana Jones thing where he's got all the swords and then Batman and just, just takes bo- him out, boots he? him in the chest. Yeah, that's it. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Mister. Um, he take he grabs Vicky and he says, "Right, come with me." And he, and he takes her off um, back to the Batcave. Now this. Uh, I've written down here the shots and the score combined for the next couple of minutes as the car drives along country roads at, at night. 
just simply mesmerizing. It just looks incredible. Yeah. Tim Burton's um Danny Offman's score, we should probably talk about that very briefly. Incredible I mean you can always hear a Danny Offman score and Danny Offman and Tim Burton work so well together. Um but his score in this is just something else, isn't it? Well when you look at Danny Elfman, um he's where he's come from. First of all he didn't know that he could be a composer. He he didn't realise he had this talent until we started putting stuff together and he's done he's very successful i think he's got about 200 credits for soundtracks on imbd and this is the guy that created the he was in oingo boingo wasn't he um he did the weird science so you go from that and then make a score like this and He's, he's been involved in pretty much everything. Um, he did the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. That's right. You know, Simpsons. Let's Sim- not forget that score. He did... Um, uh, see, I watched Civil War the other night with Captain America. And his name came up for the soundtrack for that as well. He's just done everything, yeah, hasn't he? you know, so... Um, yeah, and this score is just... I was just listening to it before we um, recorded, you know, started recording this show. It's just amazing, you know, just everything about it, mate. Just out of all the Batman soundtracks, this one just makes you feel like you're going to Gotham City. <laughs> it almost makes you it's, feel um, like Batman yourself. It's really know? iconic, mm. and it fits. Any time they reveal something, you just hear that. It's just so epic, yeah, and it really gets your heart going and fits in nicely with everything. I absolutely love it, uh, and it matches this scene of him just burning along now, and she's sort of staring at his face, trying to work out who is this guy? Is he real? Is he a? Is he someone I know? <laughs> and yeah. then they looks like they're going to drive straight into a cave, but suddenly they're in the bat bat cave. Yeah, I, it's, it's funny you say that though, Dan, with the wearing a Batman outfit because I'm pretty sure if I put a Batman outfit on you know it's me <laughs> first of all because of my voice you know I'd, you'd I'm have pretty... to do your Batman voice <laughs> you'd have to be a bit more like I'm not RJ I'm not RJ I'm Batman <laughs> I couldn't keep that up <laughs> let's go to the Batcave uh, just, I, that's I what, that's what just um, can... Christian Bale that's what made me laugh unfortunately about some of those films is Christian Bale's voice it was just a bit crazy in those some of those scenes there's that yes. bit where um, somebody says to him my mother told me not to get in a car with a stranger and he says this isn't a car <laughs> you're like whoa what's happened I think that's just generally <laughs> Christian Bale's rage voice yeah, you know, that's probably what he uses when he gets into a rage on sex. I know he blows blows off a bit, doesn't he? Um, he but does. yeah, no, you're right. It's, I like that bit in Batman Begins when Commissioner Gordon goes, "I never said thank you," and he goes, "And you'll never have to." <laughs> that's it. You'll just, never have to. And you'll never have to. Strong. <laughs> um, weird stuff. Yeah. Because <laughs> he doesn't really put on too much of a voice in this. He no, just kind of no, no Michael Keaton. No, it's just <laughs> yeah, he's Michael Keaton. That's what I mean. I just don't know. 
Yeah. Um, so he takes her back to the Batcave, which is a weird thing to do, but he loves her. So. And he tells her about the combination of chemicals. And he says to her, I've got a report here. I need you to give this to the police. Get it in the papers so that everybody knows what the Joker's up to and how we can stop him. Mm-hmm. And it goes on the it goes in the newspapers, it goes on TV, and straight away the Joker is very, very, very pissed off. Enough that he shoots his television. He says, What kind of a world do we live in where a man dressed as a bat gets all my press? Yes. <laughs> He's very, very yeah. annoyed. Mm-hmm. Um so he he goes to visit. Vicky Vale. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. That's where you took... And this is another great scene. See, this was another thing that Becky picked up on. I mentioned her a few times now. Shouted her out quite a bit. So when... Because um, Wayne's in her apartment, isn't he? He's already there. Is that yeah, right? so Bruce, Bruce goes around and she's very annoyed with him. He stood me up at the museum. Joker was there. Mm. Batman came in. You know, what the hell's going on? And he's trying to tell her. He's Batman. He says, I've got something I want to tell you. She says, oh, my God, you're married. And he says, no, it's not that. <laughs> he says, you know, when you wake up in the morning, some people wake up, they have a coffee, they get dressed, they go downstairs. And he's taking ages to try yeah, and make, yeah. make a point. She's like, look, I'm just going to have to see who's at the door. <laughs> and this is where the Joker kicks the door in. And he now see the thing is when I watch I've watched this now the joke now when Bruce Wayne comes in he says, "Well, you've got a lot of space in this apartment." He does. And then and... when uh, the Joker comes through the door, he goes, "Wow, you've got a lot of space in this apartment." Do you know what I mean? He says the same line. This and was the first time I'd ever noticed that. Becky picked up on that last night. This. She's never seen it. She said they both said the same thing. And I was Meaning like, they're cut from the same cloth. Like yeah, that's that right. Means. And it's just uh, like you say, mate. It's just whether you, I suppose, when you're doing podcasts and you're just looking for that little bit of detail, aren't you? And it's just very clever. I've never just, noticed it. I've seen this. I would say I've seen this film easily 30, 40 times. Yeah. Um, but I never picked up on that before. Yeah. He walks in and he says, "This is a lovely apartment, a lot of space." And yeah. then two minutes later, the Joker walks in. Great apartment, a lot of space. Yeah, think, it's, it. it's just wow. Okay, right, all right. Yeah, just it's very clever how they tie that in. So, like, say, yeah, cut from the same cloth. But of course, uh, Joker is trying to win over Vicky Vale. He smashes the the mask. Yeah, reveals that he's killed Alicia, and Bruce very cleverly puts a silver tray under his. <laughs> Jacket. Yeah, he's taking a chance there, isn't he? Really? Yeah. He is, and he he comes out and he says, uh, "Hello, uh, who are you?" And he's like, "Oh, another hen in the hen house, Miss Vale." And he's really annoyed that there's another guy there. And he says, "Come here." And Bruce Wayne says to him, "I know who you are." And he says, "Oh yeah," and he says, "Yeah." Let me tell you about this guy now. Let's call him Jack. He was a mean kid, a bad scene. He hurt people. And the Joker's like, oh, I like him already. Mm. And he says, the problem was this kid got sloppy. He started to lose it. 
and he starts really winding up the Joker. Mm. He says, he's the kind of guy that couldn't hear the train until it was two feet from him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he says, he made mistakes. And then he grabs that stick and he says, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. And he does his Beetlejuice voice and just smashes stuff up. Uh, and then the yeah. Joker just blasts him. Yeah. So it's kind of like his, he, he, he had to really hope that the Joker wasn't going to shoot him in the face or in the head. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he took a chance with that. But is that <laughs> is that where uh, the Joker comes out and goes, ever dance with the devil on a pale moon night? Well, that, isn't it? That's and right. Boom. He says, what did you say? And he said, ah, I just like to ask that of all my prey. I like the sound of it. Now, that is what he said to him when he was a kid, just before he killed his parents. And that's what ties it over, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah, that's right. shit. He's pressed the wrong button there, RJ. Yeah, that's it. Pressed the wrong button there. And... Then obviously after this scene, isn't it? This is kind of where you get like the sort of kind of coming into the third and final act now, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? With the old uh, the action really does sort of set set off now, doesn't it? Yeah, and Vicky, poor Vicky's had enough because she Joker leaves her apartment. She turns around, Bruce's body's gone, mm. so she doesn't know what's going on. Then she opens that box, and a hand pops out with a bunch of dead flowers in it, just to oh, make it even crazier. That's quite a funny scene, isn't it? It's just like, oh. she's like, okay. as if I haven't had enough already, and then that <laughs> happens, boom. <laughs> she meets up with um, Alexander Knox, and he reveals that I find out about Bruce's parents, and she says, oh my God, that's why he went to the alleyway, because that's where his parents were killed. So it's all tied together for her now. Yeah. Joker hijacks the television station. Uh, and he says, look, tonight I'm going to call a truce with you, Gotham. I'm going to drop 20 million bucks in cash on the city. Mm. And, you know, you can come, you can party, you can pick up the money. It's going to be great. But also, I'm inviting Batman. This is your classic now. Live on TV. I'm inviting Batman to come and face me. Mano and Mano. Me and you. Come on. Unless... Unless you're going to be at home washing your tights. And, uh, yeah, Bruce is like, he sees this on TV and he starts reliving his trauma. And we get the our little flashback to um, his parents being killed yeah. by a young Jack Napier who says, You ever dance with the devil by the pale moonlight? Mm. And you think, oh, that's where he first heard it. Mm. It's creepy. And Alfred brings Vicky because Alfred is a matchmaker in this. He's determined to get Bruce Wayne laid. He's like, for God's sake, this guy's sitting alone in the dark. I'm fed up with it. So he brings Vicky into the back cave. And he <laughs> says, Miss Vale's here. And Bruce is like, what? What? And he's hint, like, yeah, hint. she's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like the best wingman you could ever have. Isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Alfred's so lovely. Uh. They kind of reveal that they kind of feel like they love each other at this mm. point. And he says, but I've just got to do this thing. So he suits up. He goes to Axis Chemicals. He sets it on fire, burns it to the ground. Um, and then we go to, yeah, the final act now, really, where it all kicks off. So we've got the festival with all the balloons, giant sort of carnival balloons. One's a joker, one's a baby. What, what the crowd don't know, what the audience don't know initially, is that these are filled with Smilex gas, mm -hmm. that green gas that causes people to convulse and die with a big grin on their face. So the Joker's just throwing money around, dancing. He's loving it. <laughs> They're all like, yeah, whoop, whoop. He's got his balloons. 
Yeah, all his goons are there. <laughs> they're love. They're loving it as well. They're that. They're all really. If you look at what they're all doing in the background, they're having such a good time. They're all laughing and dancing around. It's brilliant. Goons and balloons, RJ. That's what he's got. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> He's, got, he's, he's taking my balloons. <laughs> However, this is our first reveal of the Batwing. Oh, that is badass. I mean, you know. Dude. That's what I mean. When I was watching this last night, I just thought this really does ramp up, doesn't it? And it sounds awesome as well. Um, the effects on the Batwing reminds me of, or the sound effects remind me of, like, fun, you remember Thunderbirds? Oh, yeah. You like the Thunderbird 2 and Thunderbird 1. There was that kind of like a sort of jet engine sound effect that they used. And I thought it was like the same. Do you know what I mean? You, you really do feel like you're in that flying with him. It's just, and, it's um, just great. This was around about the same time that stealth bombers were kind of really in the news as well. Oh, yeah. So it kind of right. reminded me of that as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And, and everything, in the, in the, everything in the Batmobile and the Batwing just feels like it really has been just cobbled together because when you see him flicking switches it all looks a bit rusty and a bit yeah you know like he's had to put it together himself it's not shiny and new no when he pulls that that goggles out so he can really hone in with the targeting it's it's really shit looking but it works it works for him you know he's put it together himself yeah it's like, like it's a sort just, of um gothic sort of steampunk thing isn't it you know it just it's kept it really with is. the time and that um, and it works so well. It's amazing. And th- this is where the, the Joker spots him um, up above him. And he says, uh, he says to the crowd, I'm about to relieve you all of your ridiculous lives or something like that. Um, and he says, but like my, what he says, like my psychiatrist said, if you're going to go, go with a smile. Mm. And he starts releasing the gas. So Batman swoops down in the Batwing. And he starts collecting. He's got these little pincers at the beginning, front of it, and he collects all the balloons by the ropes and drives the drives them, flies them up into the sky. Yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> it's like a, um, something that he's put on the back wing. You know, when he was designing it for, I'll put those on the just front in case, just in case I need to cut some balloons. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. <laughs> It's also like they designed it ready because they knew that would be work really well in a video game or something. You know, yeah, what I mean, there's so, a level yeah. where you've got to go along and collect balloons or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we get the bit coming up that you like down here, don't we? With the bat wing and the moon coming together. Oh my god, goosebumps! Mm. So it's ridiculous, really. But I can remember as a kid the first time I saw this. So the bat wing flies up and after releasing the balloons, it flies up into the sky and uh stops just for a split second right in front of the moon and it looks like the batman logo and it is goosebump city for yeah, me yeah. when i see that yeah i'm with you on that one mate Do you know what i mean it's just fantastic and then it just drops it just goes it starts flying back down and he's heading towards the joker and he gets all his targeting locked in missiles lasers machine guns sure. starts blasting at the joker and the joker pulls this ridiculously long <laughs> gun out of his trousers uh, and he shoots back he hits him he hits batman you know um and batman crashes into the steps of the cathedral um smashes uh, and it catches fire we think maybe he's dead we're not sure but joker grabs 
Vicky Vale and he radios his goons and says, I need transportation top of the cathedral in five minutes. Then he looks up, sees how tall it is, and he says, better make that ten, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, he's killed Bob by this point, RJ. We didn't mention um, Bob. Just out of sheer anger, Bob got shot just because the Joker was so fuming. With what happened, isn't it? Because he's like, Batman turned up, balloons have been cut. So he had to take it out on someone. Well. Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor old Bob. I was quite surprised. I, I actually <laughs> forgot about that bit. Actually, when I watched it, I thought oh, I forgot he died. Yeah, I don't. I didn't want Bob to die, but then it just adds to how evil the Joker is, really. Yeah, I suppose he had to go somewhere. Well, yeah, yeah, I suppose it does add on that. There's a real Beetlejuice score now. Now, Danny Elfman scored Beetlejuice as well, I believe, mm. and there's a real Beetlejuice score when they get to this cathedral because it's a church and it's like the end of Beetlejuice so if you remember at the end of Beetlejuice where Beetlejuice is trying to marry Winona Ryder Mm. and you get that whole gothic churchy cathedral moment and the weird priest appears and the organ music it plays and because this is a cathedral and you get some weird gothic organ music start coming in it really reminds me of Beetlejuice and it's it's odd how the reflection is there with the church and the cathedral just like Beetlejuice and and the same in this Batman as well yeah it's really really cool just a weird little moment there Mm -hmm. Um, so Joker drags Vicky Vale to the top of the roof gets to the top and he melts the um, with his acid flower he melts the uh, bell so the giant bell falls down that's what got me that bit do you know what I mean he's just like He's got this little flower and then that bell that's been there for years with solid iron. It's just disintegrated by and this like flower acid and that's it. Boom. Down it goes. Oh, yeah, don't give a shit. Yeah. And it smashes out loads of the stairs as well. He gets to the top though and he's waiting around for his uh, helicopter to come and pick him up. Batman manages to make it to the top as well. But when Batman gets to the top, this is where it all just goes crazy now because first thing you hear is it can be truly said that I have a bat in my belfry and mm-hmm. he's like Joker where is he and then we get a couple of Joker's goons come out Batman dispatches most of them quite easily there's one big guy who picks up like a big rope and they have a bit of a fight Batman ends up smashing his head into the bell boom yeah that's it and then and he the guy <laughs> He, he's kind of got his, like, obviously his jiu-jitsu skills, which you see later on, isn't it, in the Batman series. But he sort of falls down, doesn't he? But then he uses his legs to get back up again, doesn't he? So he's quite sort of dynamic. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's really good. Um, and the, we get this cool moment where the Joker's got Vicky and he says, uh, ah, this is like Beauty and the Beast, isn't it? Of course, if anybody else calls you Beast, I'll rip their heart out. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I picked up on that one there as well. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but she spots Batman hiding in the shadows. So she thinks, okay, I'm going to get Batman close enough to take out the Joker. So she starts kissing the Joker on the neck going, oh, Mr. Joker, I love purple. Oh, yeah, brilliant. And then she ducks down bit in almost a bit of a rude way Mm. like she's going to do something a little bit naughty downstairs for him but as she ducks down batman just says hi and just straight haymaker punches joker in the face yeah that's it joker's like oh ow ow and he spits out these fake teeth that he's got these wind up fake teeth because he's always 
always the Joker, always. <laughs> this is a bit I mentioned earlier, isn't it? He goes, you're in here, guy with glasses now, would you? You know, it's just... <laughs> and he, pu- he punches him. He, of course he, is. Yeah. he will. And he says, oh, come on, can't we talk about this? I mean, you made me. And he's like, no, you made me. And he says, come on, man. Uh, what are you talking about? You know, I was a kid when I killed your parents. You dropped me into a vat of acid. Do you think that was easy for me to get over? Mm. Come on, I've tried. <laughs> and they start arguing about who made who, you know. It's so cool. Um, and then the helicopter arrives. Batman and Vicky get knocked over the edge by the Joker. And they're hanging on to the edge while the Joker is dancing around shaking his bum in their face. He's really shaking his booty in their <laughs> face at one point. It's I wonder so how much funny. he had lived all this as well. You know, Jack Nicholson. I've got to be honest. Like, like, he must have done so much ad libbing, especially mm. in this end scene when he's just wiggling his butt in their face. It cracks me up. <laughs> um, he manages to grab the helicopter ladder and says bye bye. And as he as he starts flying off, Batman does a grappling hook to his ankle and ties it to the gargoyle. Yeah which means it's being pulled down by the gargoyle. And, of course, he gets a Hans Gruber death here. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yep, and he's pulled down all the way to the bottom. And later on, we see that he's been splatted on the bottom. And he's got his um, (laughs) laughing bag in his pocket. A lot of us back then thought that that was open to a sequel. Well, it was, there was a little bit of discussion in the playground with that bit. Yeah, we just thought, mm, could he come back? Again? I always assumed. Yeah, I thought, come on, Joker can come back from that. Yeah. Even though he's fallen from like 200 feet. <laughs> yeah, there was the, this whole the thing. Pain. Yeah, we spoke about before. Is that possible that he could come back again? <laughs> but yeah. Um. Batman saves Vicky, and it ends really now with. Commissioner Gordon making a statement to the press and the whole of Gotham and Harvey Dent reads a Batman, a letter from Batman that says, if you ever need me, just call me. And Alexander Knox says, "Uh, excuse me, how do we call him? And he says, he's given us this. And he turns on the bat signal and uh, we see the bat signal up up in the sky and Batman sort of standing up there. And finally, Alfred picks up Vicky and says, there's some champagne in the back, love. Get on in. And uh, Master Wayne said he might be a bit late tonight. And Batman just stood on top of the building being all Batman. Yeah, which is that epic shot of him, isn't it, on the roof? Just stood there. Uh, which is a great shot, I think. You know, and it's a really good way to just sort of end the film. This film is... It's one of my favourite films. And it's, it's almost a perfect film. I think... With the HD, watching it in HD, you do pick up that that suit does look a little. The Batman suit is a little bit ropey here and there. It's not. Mm. You I can f- see it looks a little bit rubber. Yeah, I think like you say in the beginning scenes, you can just see it there, can't you? But um, but no, I think like I say, it's a sort of. To me, this is a standalone comic book movie because it's kind of gives you a little bit of the origins. Um, it's got the. You know, beginning, middle, and an end. It's yeah, it just does everything you want a, a comic book superhero movie to do. Um, so I, I would say um, this movie for me, um, personally, and I know this is quite controversial. This for movie does for me what for Batman, what the first Christopher Reeves movie did for Superman. It right. really establishes. Yeah. 
you know that character that legend that backstory and i don't know man for me it's 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 untouchable i I love some of the batman movies that have come out since but oh this is just incredible for me this one i was going to ask you about the um because uh, we spoke about the christian bale ones um, yeah a little bit earlier on but um I, I did enjoy my favorite one out of the trilogy for christian bale is actually batman begins um i really liked the way that film was put together um because that's I liked my the, favorite one as well yeah just i know a lot of people say the dark knight with um uh, Heath Ledger and, and you know Ledger. don't get me wrong yeah. he, he did a great job of that but um, I thought I remember going to the cinema to watch Batman Begins and I came out and I thought that was good you know it's just I really liked the Batman Begins I mm. liked the whole Bruce Wayne in the prison fighting all the guys I liked Michael Caine um, you had you even had Qui-Gon Jinn in that as well didn't yeah. you um, yeah that's it. Um, it was just a very good film actually and i really liked exploring that side of bruce wayne yeah you know and how he got to where he was at because it kind of explored the thing that i i've kind of picked up on with the michael keaton one as well um was that for me out of all the superheroes <clears throat> excuse me is that he's the he's one of the superheroes that could actually be real because he's got the suit he's got the gadgets he does a martial art. He keeps himself fit. So I think that explores, that gets explored. More He's than basically Christian Bale ones, uh, a very athletic billionaire. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So he's, <laughs> yeah. I suppose Stark does it a bit, doesn't it? Well, he does it with um, the Iron Man suit, doesn't yeah. he? So yeah, yeah. Um, same, same sort of thing. But yeah, no, it's, um, yeah. And obviously. It'd be like if, um, Bill Gates suddenly decided that he was going to become a vigilante. <laughs> yes, imagine that. <laughs> I'm fine. Well, Richard Branson. To... Richard Branson, yeah. <laughs> I suppose Richard Branson did. Do you remember when we was growing up, he was always doing some sort of adventure, wasn't he, of like trying to sort of circumnavigate the globe in a balloon. Um, I-, I met him once. Um, oh, did you? All oh, right. But funny enough... Funny enough, it was with my friend that I saw Batman with three times. We were in a park in Bristol, mm. and Richard Branson's balloon had landed in the park. Oh, right. And he was trying to get all the air out of it. So he got all the kids that were in the park, including me and my friend, to jump on this balloon and, and deflate all the air out of it so they could fold it up and put it back in its sort of oh, storage. Right. And I didn't really know who he was because I was only nine or ten. Yeah. But my friend's mum said to me, Oh, that's Richard Branson. He's a very famous man. He owns Virgin um, Records. Yeah. And I was like, didn't know what that meant. But I always remember that moment. And I always remember meeting him with his big smile and his beard. And now I'm an old, older person. I think, Christ, it's weird that I met him in a park once. <laughs> Which is one of those memories you remember as well, wasn't it? You know, just... Um, yeah, because he's, he's, he's been known to um, parachute into events, hasn't he? In a tuxedo. Um, bit of a Tony Stark, yeah. Yeah, because I remember <laughs> he did it once where he parachuted down and he got caught in a building. And oh, he's like, he's hanging <laughs> from a building, yeah, in a tuxedo. I remember, am I been in the 2000s? I remember opening up the paper and I thought, oh, bloody hell, there's Richard Branson in a tuxedo caught up in a tower somewhere. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it's not God, good, not but I found it. Yeah, is it? I know. No, he's not really, no. 
<laughs> I don't know. He might be. Maybe he's got his way that way with the ladies. I don't know. Maybe he has. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so with this movie um, mm. you know there's not a bad thing about it whether it's no. the score the print soundtrack the acting the cast the costumes the action the direction by Tim Burton the Danny Elfman everything about it for me uh, you know I can't say a bad word about it really and I'm guessing it made a huge amount of money at the box office yep it, made, it was made for 35 million dollars uh, which was quite a lot of money back in 89. That is a lot of money in 89, yeah. Christ. But then it ended up making $400 million at the box office. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? What? Yeah. Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah, $400 million. And then you've got mer- the merchandise on top of gonna that. I was going to say, the, the toys, the T-shirts on yeah. top of that, you know. Which... Um, $400 million. That's mm. crazy. Yeah. To which then they obviously spawned a sequel, which was Batman Returns. Um, which which didn't do as well, but it's still really liked. And I think people are appreciating that one over time. It's one of those slow burners. I really like it. It's set yeah. at Christmas. So it's one that I try and watch around Christmas time. That's it. Because um, you've got the snow and the penguins and everything in it. Um, and then Michael Keaton was offered the chance to be Batman again. And he ended up turning it down mainly because the suit was so uncomfortable. Right. He didn't want to do it. So that's, that's a, why he never appeared in the third one. And then it went a very different direction with Joel Schumacher. He said he would only done it if this, they changed the suit and Tim Burton directed it. And neither of those things were happening. So he was out. No. And they offered him a lot of money to be in a third one as well. But nope. Yeah, because he's, um, uh, he's a vulture, isn't he, in um, Spider-Man Homecoming? And... He is. And hot off the press. Well, not hot off the press. But have you heard that he's playing Batman again soon? Yes, I yeah, as an old obviously an older Batman, isn't it? Um, which in the yeah in the Flash movie, so Flash, Flashpoint. So DC's character, the Flash, who can run faster than time, hmm. he can actually go back through time. There's going to be um, in the Flashpoint movie, he's going to travel through different universes and different parallel dimensions, and at some point, he's going to meet. Um, not only will he know Ben Ben Affleck as Batman, but apparently he's going to meet Michael Keaton as Batman as well, which is really cool. Okay. The other thing they were toying around with, um, I read about this in an Empire magazine once, was um, they're actually looking to to do a version of Batman where he is older. And they're actually looking to do that with Clint Eastwood as Batman. What? Mm. Yeah. Not now, though. Oh, not now, not now. No, this would have been Thank probably, God. probably in the nineties. Um, so they had this God. idea to. Could you imagine that? <laughs> How many shots was that, Joker? Was that five or six shots? Are you lucky? <laughs> what are you? <laughs> I can't. I can't remember. Who am I? Um, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too old. I know he is. Uh, Tell me, Batman, what you've been doing, you know, Commissioner Gordon. Well, Commissioner, I've been selling my ass for the last 20 minutes waiting to come into your office. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely can't see Clint Eastwood as Batman. No, 100%. but it's just, um, I thought I was afraid I wanted no something they were just toying <laughs> around with. So I just thought, oh my God, well. Wow. So, yeah. Another, another movie this, very quickly before we wrap up, another movie this one reminds me of a little bit. 
is much darker and, and much more violent, but it's Robocop. There is similarities with this and Robocop. A guy who you can only see his chin and his mouth. Oh, yeah. And you've got the chemical plants. Mm. You've got the big factories and the baddies. And in some ways, for me, Clarence Boddicker in the Robocop movie is very much like a Joker character. He's very comical. He's got a load of goons that follow him around. Um, there's a crime boss that he sort of gives gets orders from. There's a lot of similarities in Robocop and Batman for me. Um, yeah, I know what you mean because I've always thought, I've always thought Clarence Boddicker is kind of like the, your sort of psychotic history teacher. He's he's kind of like <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? He's because he, he's got the glasses on. He just reminds me of a a very educated psych psycho. Um, who shouldn't be as powerful as he is, but he is. Do you know what I mean? It's just, uh, yeah, he's he's, a, he's another interesting character for me, Clarence Bodica. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Can but, you fly, Bobby? Can you fly, Bobby? <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I do get what you mean. And the other one, um, you mentioned this on the other episode, Danny, is actually Dark Man as well. Indeed. Mm. Yeah. Which... Uh, yeah, that was another one around this time that I... I think I taped from the television a couple of years after Batman came out, but definitely my go-to, I discovered that comic book, comic books could be darker and more adult because of this film, Batman, the Ninja Turtles film, which although is, you know, still Ninja Turtles, it's very dark and, and more adult. Dick Tracy mm-hmm. and Darkman, those were my sort of, wow, you know, comic book movies can be a little bit darker. They're not just Christopher Reeve, you know, they, they can yeah. be a lot darker. Yeah, these were all, well, I say go-to superhero movies that we had, and obviously now it's just gone through the roof, isn't it, with Marvel, uh, the Marvel universe. You can't, you can't move for superhero movies now, can you? Well, this is it. I mean, this is it. I mean, we didn't have, we we had a handful, didn't we? But it's just, yeah, it's just, everything is superheroes now, which is good because they're good universe. Um, I've just revisited. To the point, Marvel. RJ, hmm. I, I can't, I can't keep up with it. I, I've seen. All the Marvel movies, and I've seen all the DC movies, but I still haven't watched The Boys. Um, you know, I, I've just about caught up on Titan, or sorry, Titans, Doom Patrol, yeah. Umbrella Academy. I cannot keep up with the amount of stuff that's that's out there at the moment. No, I know what you mean. I've um, I've only watched yeah, I've watched season one. I'm halfway through season two of The Boys, which is a very good take on the superhero genre. Um, the one I'd really like to see. And I'm really surprised no one's done anything with it. Um, is the 2000 AD? Um, well, yes, universe. we talked about this before. Now I oh. completely you blew my mind because we talked about Judge Dredd, but you've reminded me that there's so many other characters within that universe. Mm. The crossover would be incredible for that, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think if if that took off like the Marvel universe did, then. Uh, there's a lot, lot of places to go with that, um, because there are crossovers in the comics with um, the Search and Destroy and Judge Dredd, and Judge Dredd and Johnny Alpha. They even fight the apocalypse. Um, so there's a lot, Amazing. there's a lot to do with that. Um, but yeah, I think that would be good. But for some reason, it hasn't taken. But then the thing is with 2000 AD is it's a very, very dark universe, um, and it's meant to be. So I don't know whether um, you could expand it to a broad audience, if that makes sense. 
Well, I'm a fan of that Watchmen movie, and that that was a very dark comic book, and I think they did a bloody good job with that Watchmen movie that came out. Right. I don't know if you're a fan of that movie. Um, if I'm honest with you, Dan, I actually haven't seen the Watchmen. You're going to kill me now. I really... No. No, not at all, man. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was very different. And if you like The Boys... Now, I've not seen The Boys yet. Mm. I'm going to start watching it soon. But if you like The Boys, from what I hear, you'll really like Watchmen because it's kind of like, what if a couple of superheroes just decided to just think, fuck it, I'll do what I want? Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what the you know, boys is, is. Yeah. Okay. Yes. It's yeah. It's an interesting take on the genre. Um, in some ways, I suppose that's that could be how it would be. Or that you know, what I mean, if there were superheroes, I think we probably would have that challenge. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, if that sort of power. I don't want to bring politics into it, but you know, money. If someone's got a lot of money, let's say somebody, an orange person living in a big white house had a lot of money and a lot of power and they let it go to their head you know if bruce wayne really wanted to he could just start take, trying to take over the world couldn't he yeah you so, know yeah. with all that money and power and yeah, yeah it's, it's a good job that there aren't really, i guess no but um i think you have got people out there that do think themselves as untouchable superheroes in some ways <laughs> i won't say anymore no that's, that's what i'm gonna say <laughs> oh dear but no on the whole mate it's um yeah like i say batman is a is a good standalone movie so yeah thanks for coming on to the show today for that dan listen it's always good to check couldn't couldn't not talk about this film with you Mm. so thank you for having me on so what's the next what's the the next movie we're gonna do then mate i was thinking planes trains and automobiles wasn't it I think that's what we agreed, yeah. Because yeah. uh, Thanksgiving's coming up for your American listeners. Um, and that movie's kind of set around Thanksgiving. It, it's a bit snowy. It always reminds me a bit Christmassy as well. So yeah. I think we're going get, to get into some John Candy and Steve Martin action for the next time I appear on here. I'll look forward to that one, mate. There'll be a few laughs on that one, mate. That's a <laughs> fucking hilarious movie, that is. Really funny. Oh, really funny. And... Um, uh, what you got coming up next? You said Child's Play, is it, for Podcast on Haunted Hill? Yeah, our next episode, episode 102 of the Podcast on Haunted Hill. We are covering Child's Play 1 and Child's Play 2, the originals, because we've not actually touched that franchise yet. So I thought, let's get started on the first two, see how we go. So yeah, bit, that's what I'm we're doing a big, next. Big, big fan of the original one, mate. Um, oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's... Um, and I really like... Um, Chris Sarandon playing the cop. He, he he does a good job playing the hero in that movie. I thought. Fright night. For real. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's it's great how he goes from because that would have been about the same time as well, wouldn't it? How he's gone from playing a vampire to a hero, and he plays both parts really well. I thought. And then he turns up in the Princess Bride. Obviously, the Princess Bride as well. Yeah, so he was having a really good. <laughs> he was having a great run there, wasn't he? In that time, so brilliant, brilliant little career yeah. run. No, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dan. Well, listen, mate. I'll I'll look forward to that. So, um, all right, mate. Well, hope you enjoyed the episode, guys. Um, as always, um, a little bit of admin. I'm a proud member of the Legion podcast, so please go and check out all the other shows, um, including Dan's show. Uh, the podcast on Haunted Hill. 
Um, I'm not on social media anymore, so I'm kind of like Batman, you know, I'm just in the shadows, so <laughs> you can't contact me, so... <laughs> um, but I hope you enjoy the show. You can listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, and several other players on the internet. We put in bite-sized um, Cinnabar uh, podcast on Legion. So there you go, guys. Um, keep it bite-sized, keep it safe, and I'll see you soon. show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, the podcast by The Cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.